Welcome to the Jeff Gross Podcast. This episode is brought to you in partnership with Party Poker. Go to PartyPoker.com to play tournaments, cash games, and improve your poker game. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast to hear all of my future episodes. Hi, I'm Derek Stevens, owner and chief executive officer of Circus Sports, home of the world's largest sports book, and now the largest football contest guarantee in history. We've got $10 million on the line between our two contests. Circa Millions has $4 million in guarantees, including a million in quarterly payouts. The Circus Survivor has a $6 million guarantee. The one thing at Circus Sports, 100% payback, no rake. You enter in Vegas, play from anywhere. Visit CircusSports.com for more info. Must be 21 or older and in Nevada to legally enter. Circus Sports encourages responsible gaming. All rights reserved. Yeah, let's dive in. Let's talk about the fast because I want to cover poker. Right. So much to talk about our history and, and all that. We'll go run through that, but I do want to get Bill on and uh, the nurse Nina, who helped a lot. And so there, I want to cue them in, and maybe you could give a little background on what you just did. I'll show some pictures. We'll we'll kind of run through what happened. But you did a, a 14 day fast, and if you could explain on that how that how that came up, what it is, why you did it, and if what you you know, just give me the whole deal on that. It's a, sure. it's very fascinating. Yeah. So. Uh... It's something that I've always wanted to do. I, I saw that Tony G did it a few years ago and, you know, I started looking into like how therapeutic it was and all the different health benefits. And then, you know, I wanted to do something that super mentally challenging too, because like I felt like I was getting complacent in a lot of areas of my life and I'm extreme. So I'm like, this is like the perfect thing to get back on the right track and get my mind sharp and disciplined again. And uh, yeah, so we're playing, we're playing, we're playing poker and, somehow this bet gets brought up and people are throwing numbers around at the table. And then somehow Perkins wasn't even playing with us that night, but it got back to him. And he like said like a really large amount that I was like, Oh, like, I don't even know if I want that much. I, you know, cause I don't know if I'm for sure I can do it. I think I can. I mean, if for me, it's just like, Hey, if Tony G no disrespect to him or like whoever had done it, then I can do it. Like, you know, I'm not going to die. Um, but, um, yeah, so Perkins gave me, he's like, you have 48 hours. Or no, 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 no. He's, I was like, I have 48 hours to decide if I want to take this bet. And he's like, sure, but the bet's cut in half. And I was like, all right, book, fine, fuck it. Like, uh, but the, I, I should have been more, after I booked it, I'm like, fuck, that ain't fair to Amanda. I mean, she's fucking nine and a half months pregnant about to pop, and I'm accepting, you know, this kind of bet that, you know, we thought could potentially, like, you know, I wouldn't have energy or, you know, I'd be in bad moods, like hangry or whatever, but no, it was pretty smooth. It worked out well, but yeah, that's how it came about. We we're playing poker. I've always wanted to do it. And then the, 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 the money, the, 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 the bet just put me over the, the edge to, to, into doing it. But like, I'm giving a good amount of the, the winnings to ch- different charities. I, I already uh, donated Tykes Need Bikes. I'm sorry. Actually, I'm meeting with the guy today to, um, to give him a check, but Tykes Need Bikes is one of the uh, charities that Dr. Nadir Ali, he's the one that oversold the entire fast. That's like, um, you know, um, a charity close to his heart. So I, I pledged in behalf of him for all his support and help. And then the rest can go through, you know, um, some programs in Philadelphia with, uh, you know, for, for, for nutrition and, and, you know, some kind of financial literacy for the inner city. And then, you know, a few different friends who have charities and stuff. So, yeah. That's the plan. Um, so, yeah. So it wasn't like 
I want to, I want to add, there's, there's so many things and questions that that I understand. Like, have you, have you done, I know, so Bobby, obviously I know he was big on fasting. He was the one kind of initially, I saw this book when we were playing in games there and he was really talking about that. And I've heard Bill talk about a lot, like one day, two day, three day fast. What have you done before in fasting? Cause like, this is a pretty big extreme, but like, have you done some of these two day or three day ones? Yeah. So, you know, I did my longest one I wanted to do. Uh, I think I was going for seven days and I was four and a half days in, but I was working out during, during this. So like, like two workouts a day and just trying to lose as much body fat as I could. And, and this is right when I started the, the, the body fat percentage bet with Perkins. Um, and then I went to use the bathroom in the middle of the night and I got so dizzy and I passed out and hit my head. So I broke the fast then. And I'm like, you know, I wasn't monitoring my glucose. I wasn't monitoring my ketones. I just, you know, was going to do a seven day fast or five, six day fast and just wing it. But, you know, after researching more, like you can't be working out, like you can do light workouts, but you can't get heart rate up too high. Um, but yeah, so, um, but so, okay. So you have a little bit of experience with it and how, how does it differ? I see here, you made, you did send some notes, which we'll talk and we'll have, again, we'll have Nina on, uh, pretty, pretty soon here to chat with us, but you, uh, like how did this, let's just say the four day one you did, how was it? Is it the same? Was it the same feeling the first few days that you had no. the last time or is it different the experience? This, so I, going into the one where I did the four and a half and passed out, I, I, um, I was intermittent fasting leading up to that for months. So my body got into ketosis a lot quicker and, um, it was, it was, it wasn't hard to, like that. You know, like I said, I was working out twice a day. It was, it was smooth until I passed out, but this time I punted. I was like, I don't give a fuck. I'm not about to eat for 14 days. Like I'm eating whatever the fuck I want. And Dr. Nadir Ali was very clear to me. Like, yo, you want to be in a, uh, like you want to be in ketosis. Like you want to, you want a ketone diet, you know, um, a keto diet and low carbs because, you know, you're gonna go through withdrawal. I, I, I like, I, I quit coffee, uh, a month prior because I didn't want to go through the caffeine, caffeine withdrawal, but then I still punted because I was drinking Coca-Cola's days leading up to it. So I paid for it on day one. I never, day one was probably the hardest, honestly, day one or 14. I don't know, but I'm, the day ones before were never hard. I actually played poker on day one and I, and I had a, I had to quit because of my headache was so fucking bad and I, I was already considering buying out, but then I'm like, fuck, like, you know, I already said, like, I just feel like a little, like kind of, I feel like just like weak, like, just like, how, 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 uh, when you go to sleep though, like on the first, so on the first, so literally on day eight, nine, 10, 11, it's like, no problem. You go to bed, you're like not starving. You're literally just like, whatever. Or is it, uh, is it like every, like, are you waking up or where's the hardest part of the day yeah. is during the middle chunk? So I would say the hardest part is when, is when you smell C or you think about food, uh, you know, I, every almost all of my dreams throughout was were food. So I was dreaming about food. It was, pretty crazy. They were like vivid dreams of me eating all kinds of food. Um, but yeah, so like days that I had to, you know, get dinner ready for the kids or whatever, like smelling it, that, that was tough. That was really hard. Um, and my sleep sucked. Like, and I knew that going into it from Dr. Nadir Ali, he kind of told me that I'd probably only get between three to five hours a night. And it wasn't because I woke up hungry or anything. It just, from what I, from my understanding is like my body was in like fight or flight, like you know, full ketosis, like survival mode. And so it's like, you're not going to sleep. Right. That, so, and, and, but were you, is there, was there any point where you actually were concerned like for your health? Like, were you like, man, like this is, cause these are the type of things what, what I might, what would worry me is 
there's not a ton of data most likely on this. And I'm sure the doctor and nurse will talk more about this because like not many people have done it. Like for me personally, like I'd be worried cause I don't have, I feel like if you're like heavier or bigger person, maybe it's a little easier just cause like you have more stuff stored, but if you're skinny, like I, it's probably not for everyone, right? It's not anyone can go and do a 14 day fast. You gotta be careful and you gotta prepare and do the right thing. So were you actually like, wow, I hope this like, I'm worried about my long-term health or damages. Um, well, I wasn't until about day three or day four. Well, they asked Perkins about it, but my, you know, we were thinking that my glucose and, um, my glucose and my ketones would keep on moving in a linear way that at some point we're estimating if it keeps going at this rate by days nine or 10, I'm probably going to be in some trouble because Dr. Nadir Ali did send some uh, perimeters that like he, he's pulling the plug. So which, like, day, I, which day, which day was this? I, uh, let's, let's look at day three or four, uh, Perkins, uh, let me say day three. Okay. Where did my key? Okay. Uh, so yeah, see day three, four, day five, where my ketones went 0.6 to 1.6 to 3.0. So we're thinking like, you know, we're talking like, I was misunderstood about it. And so was Bill about ketoacidosis, which is a dangerous Bill can talk more about it. It's extremely dangerous, but it's really, you don't have to worry about if you're a type one diabetic, like, um, my, my ketones leveled out. My glucose stayed pretty stable the whole way. My blood pressure went perfect. Um, I, I don't know if it was day eight or nine, 10, whatever it was, everything was textbook perfect. All these measurements are, were done in Dr. Nadir Ali's clinic by, uh, by Nina. She'll be on in a little bit. Um, and then I would, I would take, you know, measurements throughout the day once or twice just to make sure, just to stay on top of it and uh, report them back to her. I mean, that was another thing that was horrible is pricking myself, like just keep on staying on top of my glucose and my ketones because you got to prick yourself and, you know, you, you can because the ones that you spit and stuff are just not as accurate. But um, but yeah, so when when we saw the way my ketones were moving, Bill, you know, mentioned ketoacidosis. I looked into it and I started freaking out. But then my doctor was like, no, don't worry about that. Like you're not type one diabetic. He, and he was so th- that was basically it. We just monitored it. We monitored my weight. Uh, I did an EKG before and in the middle of it, make sure my heart was responding well. And like, I went way above what you need to go for supervision and just, you know, but I just, you know, safety first, right? Like I have three kids and, you know, it's whatever, like if, if I don't and know. And was about to give birth or did give birth during this process. What was, mm-hmm. what was that like? What, how, what day were you on when, when that happened? Was it nine or 10 or something? Or? Um, I think eight or nine. Um, yeah. So, uh, that actually, so my thought process on that too was, you know, I'm going to be so amped up on adrenaline from that experience, you know, and like, that'll like get me through a day or two too, if I'm struggling. And, mm-hmm. uh, and plus, you know, for the most part, I'm in a hospital room with her and, you know, it's not like I'm going to see her smell food much, but when they bring her food, it would, I would get hungry, but the hospital food is kind of nasty. So that helps. I did, I, I did some weird shit early on to try and suppress my appetite. Um, it's pretty funny, but I was like, anytime I get really, really hungry, I'm just gonna go in my yard and and just smell some dog shit to lose my appetite. I can't be the right. Is that did that? Did that I mean, that's. Dude, I, I, guess did that's it, I did it once, and I'm like, that. What the fuck am I doing? So yeah, it might just make you vomit. Um, yeah, yeah that's almost all the nutrients. So, but yeah, um, yeah. I used to get to get magnesium. I used I like here. I have it right here. I used like magnesium lotion. You know, make sure. And we monitor. I got blood work during it to make sure. Um, 
I think my potassium and my sodium got a little low, but not in dangers. You know, I mean, um, yeah. And I, I, I cut all my supplements, all the medicine I take. You know, I've been on ADHD medicine since friggin' seventh grade. And uh, I didn't take it throughout. I haven't actually, I, I, I'm, I'm lying. I did. So Bill, on days 12 and 13, we were playing uh, a massive game. And I was like, hey, Bill, like, you know, the, the Vivans won't break the fast. You know, and I need it because I can't stay focused. Like, you know, and so at, at, on day twelve or thirteen, I I took a Vivance. And or, sorry, days twelve and thirteen. And uh, I think yeah, Nina did. She just was messaging. I'm trying to. I've never actually added in someone. Additionally, I think it's not hard. We'll try to get her on here, and maybe she can talk more about all the the, the technical stuff and sort of the. Um, what do you call it? Uh, the, the benefits, but maybe just from your your understanding, what do you what are the health benefits and reasons like of doing this, and, and how much how much de- how much more beneficial is doing a fourteen day than say a five or six? Uh, what's the difference in doing those, or is there is there not much other than just weight loss and 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 what whatnot? From my understanding, five to seven days that sweet therapeutic spot for you know uh, I mean depends. It all really matters how fast you get in ketosis because when once you're in ketosis, you know it starts using your fat as fuel and starts limiting some of the bad cells that have accumulated or you know can you know, clear out your colon, whatever. Um, but yeah, I'm sorry, I lost. What were you saying again? I was saying like, is there someone at home might be thinking, wow, this is interesting because I know there's like a lot of there's cancer uh, pre- prevention. There's some a bunch of health benefits, but is there a big difference in doing five, six, seven from your understanding or fourteen? returns sort of from my understanding like other than giving your organs more of a break and uh recovery and and you know insulin spikes and whatever from the most important uh, therapeutic beneficials are all within the five to seven day range that's all you need but um yeah i mean there are from my understanding from anywhere from like day 10 to 21 that you could have a bowel movement that is like the ultimate colon cleanse and uh, yeah, gets rid of all the shit that's been building up and whatever. So, I mean, I, I do see Nina here is, is preparing to uh, she's, she's in the waiting room. Let me see if we can add her in and she can yeah. drop some knowledge and see if this works uh, seamlessly. Let's see here. So, Oh, there she is. Nina. Hello. How are you? Very well. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you. Awesome. Well, listen, thank you for joining us. I know, uh, Hook, uh, this was a big deal. This was really cool. And he spoke your praises about the whole process and how you helped and Dr. Ali and the whole thing. So maybe if you could just kind of give us a little bit of background on you know what you do and how this was for Hook. And, and I do have here as well. I don't know if you can see that, but kind of some of the, the measurements and, and vitals, I guess, through the through the process. If you could maybe just talk us through uh, this, this, the 14 days in general, like the periods and, and what you would recommend for someone who's thinking about doing this at home, how they can get good information and what benefits they have for doing it. Yeah. I'm excuse me. I'm sorry. Let me say one thing, Nina. I'm sorry. And at the end of it, when Nina's finished, she should mention and add in a link of, you know, her, she has a program that she coaches people through that anyone in, in anywhere could sign up. And she is, I think she has people from all over the world that message her and, you know, are on the program that I'm actually gonna put my mom on her program within the next week or two. So make sure that, uh, you know, she, her clinic and, and what she does is, you know, somewhere on the link. So people more interested can reach out to her. 
Yeah, no, this will be so. This is uh, this will be uploaded to YouTube. We'll put it in the show more right at the top. All that stuff. So you have to give me that. And yeah, I think it's super interesting. Um, and and can't wait to hear a bit more about this. And, and we'll definitely get that info up. So give us. Go ahead. Tell us the whole deal. What you do. Who you are. And how this all works. Uh, sure. Thank you so much for having me on. Um, it was really a pleasure. It was a learning experience for us as well to supervise Charlie through the 14-day fast. So. Um, it is normally not something that we recommend. Charlie found us and he said she wanted to do a 14-day fast. Um, certainly, a 14-day fast is a pretty drastic thing and it should not be attempted by anyone without uh, physician supervision. And that's what we do here. Um, Dr. Ali is a local cardiologist, but we also have a nutritional and fasting program here in the office that he supervises that he participates in, um, and we um, teach patients uh, how to um, get into better health, not through taking medications, but by, um, you know, following low-carb nutrition and doing intermittent fasting. And uh, we've had great success with it. Uh, you know, uh, we have patients getting out of diabetic range, patients' inflammation getting better, um, you know, losing weight is just a pleasant side effect of, of uh, what's happening because people are getting healthy from inside out. And I, I, are, mm -hmm. I don't want to interrupt. I'm sorry to interrupt you. I just this, this word here just sounds nasty, but also just like feels very like one of the benefits, the big things of losing visceral fat. Can you tell me what that is? And is that one of the things about cancer? Is that one of the main things that, that they say there's a, a, a drop in cancer risk uh, after doing like five days or three days? Can you talk a little about visceral fat and also the, the cancer, what, what that does for potential cancer? Sure. So visceral fat is uh, fat around your midsection, and that is the most dangerous kind of fat, fat that is associated with all kinds of chronic diseases and uh, issues. Um, yeah, it builds up on the organ system down your stomach and liver or whatever else. There's that's the hardest to lose. Yeah, I got a little something there. I, and, I was, it, and that's you know, that's how you get inflammation. Inflammation is surface area for cancer to be, you know. Correct. So anyway, I'll let Nina, I'm sorry. Yes. So, well, Charlie knows. He, uh, he, he could tell us all uh, probably a little bit better than I can by now. Um, he, he's right. Uh, there are risks for all kinds of things, not just cancer, but all kinds of nasty things, um, heart disease. Um, psoriasis. Uh, my cleared yeah. up. I, I, I've been battling with psoriasis for over 10 years, and it fully went away during the fast. Yes, absolutely. So inflammation levels uh, go way down um, when you do in um, prolonged fasts, uh, that's for sure. And uh, you feel better. Um, all kinds of things clear up and go away. And actually, uh, the mind is working a lot better, a lot clearer. People think that, uh, oh, I'm not going to be eating. I will not be able to perform. I won't be able to do my work or I won't be able to um, you know, work out or anything. Yeah, like you know, I think I even asked you and Dr. Ali going into it. Am I going to be able to drive or I'm going to have someone drive me to the clinic? Cause I didn't know what to expect. Right, first, right. It's the easiest thing to do. Fasting. You don't really have to prepare for it. It's uh, free. You know, you don't uh, have to um, go out and buy supplies for it. And uh, you can do it as life happens. You don't have to plan it out or anything like that. So, 
um, and you actually save money because you're not eating. Yeah. So I think that's a big part of maybe, you know, it's not as mainstream because, you know, how many doctors are actually going to, you know, take a, a, a step like Dr. Nadir Ali and add this into his therapeutics and, and, and stop, you know, you uh, relying on prescription drugs, right? Like, let's think about that for a second. If, if you start in, implementing fasting into your therapeutics as a physician, like now your people, your patients can be healthier. Uh, that affects pharmacies that affects. And then also restaurants. I mean, look how what's built the infrastructure built around food. You know, it's, it's, you know, it's everywhere in our lives. So people start getting a better feel about fasting and understanding it and, and the therapeutics behind it, you know, it, it's going to disrupt, you know, businesses in different ways. It's true. We're a pharmaceutical company's worst nightmare because we take patients off medications um, because they get better. They don't need the blood pressure medications anymore. They don't need ADHD medications anymore. Um, you know, uh, let me let, let me let me ask you about um, for someone at home watching, like you said, with 14 days, you need supervision. I think hope there were some different periods where there's some some measurements and vitals that were looking like maybe this was getting a little dangerous or, you know, there was there was certain marks where it's like, all right, we got to cut it and get back into it. But what would be someone at home like what what is a uh, beneficial? What's the minimum fasting benefit that someone could do? And also that's that's safe on their own two days three days five days i'm sure right you can go along to like a couple of weeks without food per se or, or you know water is important but what, give me a little bit of like if anyone's watching they just want to do on their own what are some benefits they could get from doing for a certain period sure so uh, first thing people need to start with is they need to start fasting intermittently meaning they need to learn how to push out first meal of the day as long as they can till noon or to one. They can have water and black coffee when they first wake up or throughout the, the morning, but the best thing to do is push out the first meal of the day and eat the second meal within about six hours of the first one and no snacks after the second meal. So two meals a day um, and um, have 18 hours of fasting, including sleeping time. So it's not that bad, it's not that hard to do and six hour feeding window. So that would be your intermittent fasting. Once someone has mastered that, then they can go to trying to eat one meal a day, perhaps a few times a week, and they can stretch it out to 48 hour fast, um, and they can do a three day fast. However, when you start doing multi-day fasting, there are certain rules you have to abide by to make sure that this is safe. First of all, People have to measure their ketones and their sugars uh, with a meter. So they have to get um, a, a meter uh, that checks their blood, not their urine. The urine ones are not reliable. And um, also they have to take salt throughout the day, certain amount of salt to be sure that all the electrolytes are, are replenished. Because so, so that is so you would like just when you drink water, you put some salt in water and drink mm -hmm. it. Is that that's and then what about uh, black coffee? So is black coffee allowed during the, this fast or is that different? You drink strictly I, black. I, I, I didn't I didn't have no black coffee, no tea, no bone broth, yeah. nothing that there's certain things that don't break the fast that I but under the circumstances of the, the bet, uh, I just only thing I had was water and then um, some Himalayan uh, sea salt, and uh, and then on day twelve or thirteen, uh, twelve day twelve and thirteen, I took my ADHD medication while I was playing. 
but, but you can you can have uh, broth like that is during a fast that's allowed like to have bone broth and that's uh, like chicken broth. I mean that is something in general. If you, yeah, that you don't want processed. You don't want it from the supermarket process. You want to make homemade because Correct. there's things that could you know calories and uh, could spike Correct. your insulin. Just it, then you yeah, didn't really Charlie, get real fast. Charlie went hardcore. He went without any kind of fasting aids, uh, without anything, just salt and water, um, and that was because of the conditions of, of the bed. But um, we do uh, recommend bone broth only as the last resort. So if you're thinking about quitting, if it gets too hard and uh, you can't hardly manage without having some calories, I always recommend have a half a cup of bone broth, maybe a whole cup, and see if you reconsider. Yeah, I, I also want to ask about like the, the, the thing about this fasting it sounds really interesting. And I, I think that 18 hour, that makes a lot of sense where you wake up. That maybe isn't the hardest thing to, to have a little black coffee or some water, mm-hmm. wait till the afternoon and then have a meal, maybe even just one meal a day, get in that habit. But how does that work with like muscle and, and, and health wise? Because like I, I feel like there's a fine line between, you know, fasting and losing your visceral fat, being unhealthy, but then also just like not being you know, strong. And I guess obviously if you're working yeah. out, like what if you're working out and mu- trying to gain muscle, how do you do it if you don't have protein or, um, you know, I guess how, I just try to understand how that would sure. all work, sure. to work out. So a um, couple of things with the 14 day fast. Yeah, of course um, uh, there might be some muscle um, lost, but it's a junk muscle that's being lost. And um it does not usually happen with uh, shorter fasts, and it doesn't happen at all with intermittent fasting. Uh, now you have to realize when you, you actually eating, put on, you actually can build muscle during intermittent fasting better than you can if you're not. Um, yes, you replace and, the junk muscle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and my one thing that Dr. Nadir Ali and Nina mentioned to me that the only they predicted this thing pretty much. Yeah. So. As far as um, intermittently fasting, this doesn't happen at all. Yeah. Um, it, what happens when you stop eating, your body does not stop eating. Um, your body is eating, it's tapping into your own fat storages and uh, feeding off of the fat. Um Hence ketones. Ketones is a byproduct of fat metabolism. And ketones is the fastest, is the best and uh, most efficient burning uh, fuel that you could have, uh, unlike carbs. Um, it's a very clean uh, fuel. So uh, ketones are really good for your brain as well as your body. Yeah, and another thing about ketones is ketones can't be used to, f- to fuel cancer cells. So glucose and, if I'm not mistaken, glutamine, which is in all of our food, but you can get by blockers, so you're not getting. But if you have nothing to feed the cancer, the tumor, you know, it, you know, that's why they implement it now. With it, people are already going through cancer treatment. With they see the response is much better when they're doing intermittent fasting with the radiation or the chemo, you know, um, because your body's being fueled by the ketones. Your brain is basically because your brain needs it. And it, but it doesn't feel cancer cells or tumors or, you know, and then also, you know, all the recovery time it gives your body and your organs. Like I said, my psoriasis, it cleared up my psoriasis. That was like, you know, as far as cause like looking down and seeing different parts that improved, like my, you know, my skin definitely got a lot better too. And, and, uh, Nina, I, I do want to, again, if you could tell me, is there a website as well for, for your stuff or the, or either one, the clinic that I can show people? 
Absolutely. Um, so people can find us um, on iecardiology.com. Um, the website is actually is getting revamped right now, um, but the information will be on there. Also, okay. um, you can reach me directly at nina at aliecardiology.com. Okay. Um, and people can email in and I'll be happy to get in touch with them. Uh, what we do in our fasting program is, uh, you know, of course, uh, we meet with a patient and they have a consultation with Dr. Ali and then they have so many coaching sessions with uh, me. And Dr. Ali does participate in some of them. And we do blood work. We do just like for Charlie, we did initial blood work and uh, check them out for awesome. everything and we'll do blood work again within three months or so to make sure the proof is in the pudding. Are the numbers getting better? Awesome. Um, well, I, I will we'll put that in the show more. And just the last thing I want to ask you before we let you go here is about these numbers. And there is some some sort of uh, analysis on it. Like it says eight. So I'm a little surprised. I would think that this would be dropping more based on all this. Like you would drop three to five percent or something, but still yeah, 2%. I lost too much muscle. That's why if I didn't lose as much muscle, which that's what I was getting to Dr. Ali and Nina didn't think I would, but there's other factors that the reason I feel like I lost more muscle than assumed that we were going, but also I met with Dr. Ali and Nina yesterday. Mm -hmm. um, and Dr. Ali is pretty confident that, you know, over the next two weeks, I'm going to put a lot of the muscle right back on. So we'll see. How we can that scan. 10 pounds or so, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, but I also, um, you know, one of the things that I, you know, I've been on uh, TRT for the past few years because um, uh, I, I had natural low testosterone from, you know, back in early twenties, I was stupid and, you know, did anabolic steroids and um, my testosterone levels never came back fully. So I've been on TRT for the past few years. And then during the fast, I didn't take it. And testosterone is key for muscle building. So I think that had to do, had some, reason why I lost a, pretty much a 50-50 ratio of muscle and fat, which we thought I would probably lose about four or five muscles, pounds of muscle. So, but Dr. Ali, he's going to, he's going to uh, release a, uh, like a, a medical report or try and publish in a journal and he'll get more into it and the reasons and dissect all the different metrics and, and let you know why some of them were outliers and, and, you know, give some explanations. So like Nina said, it, it was a learning experience for them too. Dr. Ali, you know, he, he's, he's, implemented this into his therapeutics, but he never had a 14 day one, like a patient that did a 14 day one. And it was very what, interesting. It was what is, Nina, what is, what is the most you've ever seen or heard of? I, I think Cook was saying before the show, we were talking, maybe someone's done 21 that they've tried to do. And now how, like, all right, last questions. I'm sorry. Now, I know you got stuff to do as well. And Hook and I got a lot to reminisce on, but I just want to like, what's the most you're aware of someone doing and what is actually the longest like ever maybe someone was stranded in a desert or do you know of like what's actually possible with water how long you can survive technically yes i i do um and it's well documented i don't know um the names of either the patient or the study but it's well documented and people can research and find it um there is a person who did uh who fasted for a year with just salt and water um so uh, he was supervised uh, medically a year? Uh, a year, a whole year. Yes. Wow. Um, so I definitely don't recommend that. Um, but I, think, I, think, I think that guy was also, you know, he was getting some intake through uh, bone broth and certain things that don't break the actual fast. But 
or you know, he's getting the salt and the essential. You know, I, I assume I'm he was. Not getting- sure. I'm not yeah. sure on that. Yeah, um, but uh, again, someone can look it up uh, if they're curious. Uh, he's gone the whole year, and I believe that he was supervised very closely at some points. Um, like he was maybe inpatient in the hospital at some point. Uh, definitely don't recommend that. And again, don't recommend a 14-day fast or even a prolonged fast without a doctor's supervision. And Dr. Ali is one of the best at what he does. So be sure to contact our clinic if you're interested. Anyone who's trying to get into better shape and obtain optimal health, uh, not by taking medications, but by doing intermittent fasting, uh, is more than welcome to join the program. Very cool. Well, listen, uh, Nina, thank you so much for joining us. I will have more info posted about this. And, uh, yeah, very cool. Really glad Hook made it through safe and sound. And and, uh, and we'll, we'll definitely be checking that out. And, and I'm, I'm interested. I'm, I'm going to look into it. I imagine in different areas, pockets of the country, they have these type of things. But obviously, if you guys have some sort of program or ways you can do it from, from afar, then, uh, you know, like yeah. to go where I know it definitely works and, and safe. So we'll ha- be happy to check in with you guys. But uh, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure. Take care. All right. Thank you, Nina. Thank you so much. No problem. Take care. All right, guys. So that was Nina. And we can see here the uh, clinic. It is a website right now. It says redoing. It looks nice to me, but there's some info on there. You can see AliCardiology.com. And then we will have that in the show more as well as some info on getting a hold of Nina if you're interested. But um, I think she popped on. Let me see if I might have to. Okay. I can remove you manually. So thank you, Nina. We'll, uh, We'll check in soon. Um, all right, so there we go. All right, we're back to to just Hook and I. Well, that was good. We covered that. We can maybe ha- answer some questions. If you guys have questions, get it in right now on Twitter. There is still time. Do we, we have yeah. Perkins hop on and he can talk about some of his thoughts and stuff? Because I know he's tied up, but he can go over. Like he did a seven day during, I think a six or seven day during mine too. But we'll have to ask him. Maybe we hop on for a little bit. And we could just talk about stuff together throughout, and then. Uh, and then we'll just do the last hour or so, you know, we'll just. Yeah, yeah he's, he's he's queued up. He said he wanted to pop on. So I know we were just, we were chatting. I think he's uh, hopefully gets on here soon for a little bit. Okay. He's got the yeah. link. So he pops in. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll add him in, but let's, uh, yeah, let's make sure he knows. Yes. I just, yeah, I just, I just pinged them again. We'll, uh, but yeah, let's go down. Let's, let's, let's hop over to some of the poker. First of all. Um, yeah. We, we met again, like, 2009. I think again, you were playing kind of cash games still, but you did some, some tournaments. If you could tell me uh, a bit, let's just, let's go down. We'll talk first of all, real quick. What was this? The seven K one got second. Oh yeah. Peters and you were one card away. I know you sent me a video where you were a river card away from a bracelet. It was online. You hop in. What was, uh, what, what made you play this one? Cause I know you don't play a lot of tournaments and um, yeah. Tell me about how that, that went. Yeah. I mean, you know, for, for me, poker is a business, right? Like accolades are cool. Like winning a bracelet, you know, a WPT title, whatever, like that, that's all cool. Like accolades are cool, but like, I never, you know, I, I, I don't, I'm not gonna look back in my journey through poker and like think, feel any kind of different reward from, you know, having different accolades. It's, you know, it just, especially when it comes to, you know, tournament poker, it just, it's, it's not something that I really care to focus on or whatever. But with that being said, we were, so basically what happened was we were on the beach and then I, I knew about this event. Uh, we were, we were down the Jersey shore. We spent our summers there. My wife's from right outside Atlantic city. I'm from Philadelphia. So we have a house, right there in the Jersey shore. Um, 
right outside of Atlantic City. So we're on the beach and I knew about the event. I was like, I'm not going to play it, whatever. And then I was like, you know what? I, I want to win a bracelet. And my daughter heard me say that. And when we got back from the beach, I was like, ah, I told my wife, I'm not going to play it. Like her brother came over and we ordered pizza and stuff or whatever. And I, if I remember correctly, I, uh, I wanted two bullets and my deposit limits would only let me deposit like a bullet and a half. So then I was like, all right, if I win this hand at blackjack, I'll play it because this way I can just, you know, I have two bullets. And uh, so I won the hand of blackjack and I was like, all right, I'm going to play it. And my daughter's like, thank you. Like, she wanted me to win her bracelet. She was like, can you win me a bracelet? Whatever. I was like, I'll try, you know, whatever. Tell, I'm, gonna, I'm probably going to buy her one because obviously I can't win her one. Um, but yeah, so then I just hopped in and I just was like, all right, so the first bullet, I'm just going to play like a fucking maniac. And just sh- it was, a, it was a, I think there was 140 people. I don't even remember what re-entries. I'm not even sure, but you know, it's online. I can, you know, it's, it's not going to take up much of my time. And, you know, it's, it's probably the easiest way to win a bracelet. You know, I mean, I know Pennsylvania has some events too with small fields, but I, I mean, it's not, I wouldn't say easiest cause it's still tough. I mean, look at the, look at the, uh, look at some, look at the final table and some of the names right at that final table. I mean, there's some really amazing tournament players. Yeah, no, there's a, there's a lot of animals. All right. We're going to, we're going to hop back into the, the poker streets, but wow, Bill is uh, he's around. He's no stranger to the podcast, Wild Bill. I think his fourth official time on, even though two yeah. podcasts, once about coronavirus. Now we got the man, the myth, Tally Hook on the building, fresh <laughs> off the fast, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna pop in, Bill. How's it going? It's going all right. Look at Hook looking all skinny and shit. <laughs> looking healthy. Look, I got to get one yeah. of these fasts going myself, man. This is uh, this is this is pretty interesting, Bill. Tell us a little about this. I think you did a week one yourself, and then you know, I, give us your kind of take on fasting and and what what you would recommend to people that maybe want to do a two, three, five day one, and, and just give us your knowledge on it. Yeah, so I think the longest I've gone is five, uh, and I, I try and do that. This is at the advice of my doctor, actually both doctors, several doctors. Um, get it in once a quarter or, or at least twice a year. Um, you want to get into that point where I always pronounce this wrong, autophagy, where your body is basically eating old dead cells, eating the, the, the cancer cells, burning fat, putting you in ketosis, resetting your immune system, you know, cleaning you out. So there's other benefits. There's longevity studies, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, um, with, with fasting. And to me, it's a low risk, high reward play. Uh, except for, you know, the pain in the ass psychological aspects of it that a lot of people have to deal with, you know. And and you so like on a typical day, though, I know you're very meticulous about your food, your diet, what you're eating, how you're eating. Uh, obviously, diet was zero. You're trying to stretch that out forever and, and go a long time, live as much as you can. You got a life clock as well, which is fascinating. Need to get one of those installed and, and figure that out. You got your calendar. So you're on top of it. That stuff. life clock that Bill has gives me anxiety. Every time I see Bill mark that off, I'm like that. I get so, I feel anxious. It is tough, but it, it's important. I think it's good to be a realist about it. Right? I, I think if you shift your perspective on it, think about like, look, you got a vacation here on earth, right? You got a vacation. When you're on a vacation and you know it's going to end, you really appreciate the vacation. Like you get the things you want to do on the vacation, whether it's swimming, relaxing, read a book, see the museum, go to the building, whatever, right? And so I look at my life as like a vacation here on planet earth and it's going to end. So I want to appreciate it. And so- Having that reminder that it ends makes me appreciate these moments even more. And so when I appreciate moments now and I take advantage of it and I'm present and I'm living my life, it's like a gift to my future self. Like that sense of accomplishment, that's a memory. That's a memory dividend, right? And that's my past self giving a gift to me now. And so I'm just giving gifts to my future self. Now, this summer, 
I ate like a man on death row. So I, I, I want to go punch my past self in the face, but, and it's, it's hurt me now, but yeah, that's For sure. the, and, the way I look at it. And, and so people, I mean, like from a, from a standpoint of daily though, is that uh, you, you would recommend though, it's like the 18, the intermittent fasting. That's something that people, how often are you doing that? In, in uh, so story? I'm doing it like once a quarter, at least twice a year. I try and get it in once a quarter, but like, you know, I try to also manage around like I'm not the most pleasant person or when 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 I'm fasting and I'm not, I'm not that fun. Uh, you know, you start like and go out running a marathon and be super active on day four of a fast with the amount, you know, with zero calories. But, um, you know, once a quarter is my goal to do it. But, but in terms of like a daily, because if you try to not I mean, obviously, there's times you're hanging out, you had a nice dinner, you're going places or, you know, you're, you're, you're whatever, you get hungry and you have some ice cream or froyo, whatever it might be, and you just do it. But like in a general in a general thought, is it, it is good, you would recommend to try to like not yeah, intermittent fasting. Look, I've, been, I've been looking into the intermittent fasting. Uh, it's definitely, you know, there's a TED talk on it. There's there's a lot there's a lot of data on there that it's good. I just haven't really put that into my routine. Um, yet I suppose I should or could at some point, but yeah. uh, you know, everything that been, has been presented to me has been a positive, like this is a positive thing for your life. Yeah. Um, I just haven't completely dove into it. I'm just it watching. Seems like it's a, it's a Houston special. I know our man, Bobby Sura was uh, one of the originals that I heard it from. I know he does that. And I know that hook had been doing it. I remember you were doing it and it seems like a, a good thing, right? So in general, it just makes sense. You don't want to eat late at night, and then you know yeah. you want to you want to just you know try to try to burn more calories and fat. But um, very cool. What what about this fourteen day bet? You were I guess there was a period where hook you were a little worried. There were some some vitals coming in, and you were kind of there was a there was a time where you were saying, "Wow, you're there's a I forget what it was called. It was too low." And were you actually concerned? No, I thought maybe no. I think it was Bill would remember probably, but it was day three or four, and we just saw how my ketones and my glucose were reacting, and I I think we. Like we're approaching it as far as even not even a full linear way, but the way it kept on scaling it, you know, we didn't, we kind of thought maybe by day nine, 10, 11, I had to worry about some of the things that Dr. Ali was worried about originally, not knowing my, you know, you really don't know how your body's going to react until you go into it, right? You can be healthy, ready for it. But, you know, Bill mentioned something to me about ketoacidosis. I got more knowledgeable about it, but it's a real thing and, and there, there are dangers. So, you know, staying monitored was important. Yeah. And it was just it was just extrapolation. Right. So I had extrapolation error. So his ketones were 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 doing a, a, a rise at, at a fast rate. And I thought he was going to break through the number where the doctor was going to be like, all right, we're going to call it right. Call the fight. But, you know, it did this and then leveled off and kind of stayed in a range as his body began to balance and burn fat and do whatever his body was doing. And so he never really got into the uh, danger zone where the doctor was going to call the fight. But that's a common error, right? Traders make it all the time. People make it all the time. Big yeah. extrapolation error on my part. Bill, from all the research I did prior to it, and then also Dr. Ali's a specialist, they all said that my muscle to fat ratio was going to be like at least two to three to one in favor of fat. But Bill was saying, I'm going to lose a lot more muscle than you think. And I did. I mean, I lost, I lost more muscle than I did fat. And fortunately I lost the visceral fat too. Like I went for, I, ba I basically have no visceral fat now. Um, but yeah, I'm not, I wasn't happy about losing that much muscle and, you know, I'm trying to build it back now and uh, we'll see. Yeah. I, I, I just, I didn't, I didn't see that. Like I had different um, kind of inputs and research on that. And just the fact that like, you know, your fasting is, is a significant cause I think your RMR is like up in the 3000. Yes. 3300. 3, 
Yeah, 3,300 RMR. So like you're talking about a pound a day of something, right? Like, you know, that, that needs to happen, right? Like you're burning muscle and fat, all right? And your body's like starting to go, okay, where's the food, you know? But how, yeah. how great was it not having to go to the bathroom like every <laughs> you know, like yeah. yeah, no, that, that, was, that yeah. was good. And, and, you know, you mentioned in one of the voice memos you left me about how much free time you realize you have and like how much time food and planning and eating and prepping and going to restaurants, how much that, how much that takes up of your life, you know? Yeah. You, you basically get three and a half to five, you know, three and a half hours, maybe even five hours for some people, but uh, including transportation, sitting down eating and then, and then transportation back. If you're like kind of a go out person, plus, you know, prep, it's, it's a lot of time. So when you, when you're just like, Oh, I'm not eating, I'm just gonna have a glass of water. You just get a massive amount of time per day back, you know? Yeah. And, and the, the other question I did want to ask, and if you've maybe done some more thinking on it, Bill, is like, I get the whole fasting deal, but what about the loss of muscle and just being healthy? Because just like being vegan or, you know, there's obviously certain things that it's good and overall, but just like you're losing also some maybe muscle and stuff like that. How do you sort of combat doing the fasting, but also just, uh, you know, making sure you stay healthy and do keep muscle on and don't get too skinny? Or I think that's one of the reasons why I would never do with, with hooked it. Uh, you know, is just that it, it's it's it has its benefits, but it also has its cost, right? And I value I value I value the muscle tissue. And you know, I'm I'm going to the gym now, trying to build muscle, and it's it's a motherfucker, right? Like after being out of shape, and so you know, it, one of the you know ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. You know what I mean? That's how I feel about burning up the muscle that I need, especially at my age, right? Like it's it's harder for me to build muscle. Um, and harder. That being, said, that being said, at the four day and the, and the five day, right? Like I'm getting the anti-cancer benefits, the longevity benefits, uh, you know, the gut, the gut biome benefits, mm-hmm. the, the reset of my immune system and, and, and nasal passages, et cetera. And the inflammation benefits for maybe like a, a you know, in my weight, you know, like maybe like a pound, pound, pound of muscle, you know, over four days, 1.6 pounds of muscle. I'll take that, you know, I'll for take sure. that. And I, and I asked Nina a bit about this, and obviously this is uh, your own opinion and not in health, not a doctor, but in terms of someone at home who's like, wow, this sounds cool. I want to try this or some of it. 14 days a bit extreme. You obviously need like medical uh, supervision and, and don't just try that. But if you were just to say to someone at home who wants to do three to five day, um, what would be some tips to, to you would say to do that or what preparations would you want to have in place? And, and do you recommend that? Do you think it's okay to just do a three to five day fast or still consult a physician? I mean, I think, I think, you know, everybody has their own uh, medical profile. So it, it, you know, there's some people like I'm healthy, whatever, I'm just going to do a fast, right? You just jump into it. But there's other people with other conditions, maybe overweight or obese, uh, high BMI, all kinds of other things. So, you know, it, it's never, uh, it, it's not going to hurt consulting a physician, right? And you could call doctors on demand and get, get a consultation. Like, hey, I want to do a fast, you know, 25 bucks, 50 bucks, whatever, you know? So I'm never going to uh, poo-poo consulting with a doctor. That being said, I think it's um, fairly healthy. I think the psychological impact is kind of the biggest thing. Day two, I've always found is the hardest day uh, because you you just use, you don't, you, you know, that three and a half to five hours we were talking about a day, you're thinking about food, right? You're thinking or eating the food. Right. And so like then you're like not doing it and then your mind is still like, I want I want food and you're hungry and you're like you're like many you're like, you know, you it's a discipline thing. Right. And you're stressing out and by day two. You're like, whatever. By day three, your body's breaking down fats, 
right? It's gotten off all the sugars you've tried, you've been putting in your body and it's learning how to break down right. fats and some, some protein and it's starting to feed itself. So you have this like energy boost out of nowhere and you're like, oh, I feel, I feel so much better. <laughs> like I, you know, so day four, you actually feel like you can do five, six, seven, eight, right? Like, because your body gets into this rhythm, I'm, I'm going to bust down this fat that you've been building up and is feeding itself enough at, at the level of activity you're doing. At least that's been my experience the five or six times of Five, I think five times I've done it. The, the only thing I can even maybe kind of relate to on this is I did that 10 day meditation retreat. I don't know if you guys remember that. I did it in, uh, yeah. oh in, in South Texas. And that was, I, that was crazy. I should, that, that, that was, I don't think, I think it was an underdog to get through that, but um, I actually started feeling same thing. It was like day two was kind of the weird hard part, you know, not being on your phone. Not, now I have children. So it's different. We all have children, right? Can't imagine being away 10 days and just like not knowing what's happening on, on any uh, degree. But I actually had like kind of an out of body experience. Like uh, the only thing I compared to is, you know, something at Burning Man, which I've tried um, and feeling this type of way. Um, so I, did you feel like that? Hook? Was there any was there any type of uh, like like did you feel like you were almost on some kind of drugs or like yeah. was it like your body? Yeah. Bill, that I felt like I was like microdosing shrooms. I felt definitely there was euphoric, very extreme clarity, a clear. Yes. Yeah. I didn't have any like depression or any like, you know, my, I, yeah, I felt great. I mean, but when I pushed it a little too far, like I went for a light swim one day, I, it, it, you know, my glucose went up and I didn't feel that great afterwards. Um, and then, you know, I would have crashes like I, like I would feel great, great, great. But then at some point kind of feel, you know, it's just like nothing like I, 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 I don't know, like because I wasn't sleeping well. So, um, right. Yeah, but did you did you find at night when you were laying down your mind was like racing? Because I remember like I could replay like my whole life. At one point, it was like I was my first kiss and houses I lived in and rooms. And it was just like crazy, like clarity and just sort yeah. of like. You know, and I was so many thoughts and ideas and things. Well, explain this retreat, though. You just said you went on this retreat for 10 days. Tell, tell, give us the rules about this retreat. Yeah. So uh, no talking, no writing, no reading. Um, it was like basically it was a Vipassana meditation. The one I did was in South. I, I actually left from a game. We were playing in ta- at, at the game, you know, the home game. And I remember going there and it was just insane because I, I flew there. And all of a sudden my wife, I went with Amelia. We weren't married, but there's a men and a women's side. So like you go into a temple for like six hours a day, two hours, three different times. And you meditate. So you see the women on the one side, the men are on the other. You sleep in your own dorm. You eat very little. It's the same thing like soup and, you know, oatmeal and it's not a lot of food you go to bed early and you wake up at like 4 a.m uh but it's basically just meditating all day long you meditate in your room you meditate in a temple you get like an hour and a half during the day to walk around outside um but it was very crazy like it was it was yeah no writing no reading no talking no cell phone and no note taking and i had so many thoughts ideas that like i actually wrote like 25 poems when i got out of the right when i got out i went and like took a piece of paper, wrote down all these ideas and all this stuff. And I had all these creative juices flowing, but it was, yeah, it was pretty insane to like not be able to write down, right? Like all these ideas and stuff. And I just couldn't take notes or anything. And it was, it was a bit of a, a mental uh, overload. I would say it was very intense experience, but I mean, I would recommend it. I think maybe a three day would be good. Ten's a little uh, extreme. And now I don't think I would do it again. I don't know how I could, I can't imagine with like, now there's crypto and NFTs and life and in kids. It's like, how do you just like, Bill, what would be your price? 10 days to disconnect. Oh man, I don't even know. If I, I don't even, I don't but even. You were I, interested though. You were thinking about this for a moment. Yeah. And, and now it's like, just that the, the, the period I am like this period right now, I couldn't even fathom this in 10 days right. of my daughter's freshman year and my other daughter's senior year and, and, and just be in the black with events happening, et cetera. So like, 
it, it, it would just it would just drive me nuts, you know. So I I, I don't know. I, I don't I think you would enjoy it. I don't know if you can live. It, my life is about experiencing those moments, even if it's just a small touch, and they don't even talk to me or they don't want to know me, but I'm there witnessing it. So like you're basically saying, how much to give up your life? I just won't do it. Not at the space, but, but when it, when when I'm an empty nester, or you know, there's nothing going on, or they're in, they're doing their summer vacation, maybe I can peel off ten days doing it. But like I got a lot going on. Like I'm getting married in a year, planning for a wedding. You know, doing. Yes. I got I got too many things. I'm, I start I have a startup. I started. You know, it's 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 a uh, full. Book. No, I, I get it. That's the thing. I think it's all it's a, it's about pockets and periods. I agree. Like that's why I would just say though, my argument would be. That I would recommend it to anyone or to you, you know, to you guys in general. Like, I think it's something you should do, just like Burning Man. I think you should do it once. I don't think Larry and Amanda want you, want you like sh- telling us we should do something like this. I don't think they'd be happy if we. If we no, it's not the right time. Like, it's not, and it, it's not for me now either. I couldn't. I can't imagine doing it now. But I like kind of did it before kids and uh, sort of just whatever, right? But you got to you got to find your own your own time. Just saying, put it out there. Maybe in the future. It's you know, in there. It's in the future. Future yeah. bill. Future yeah. bill. Do that. <laughs> future opportunities. Future All right, Bill, last thing before I want to let you go, because this is Hook's podcast, but you've been on enough, but we, we wanted to bring you in. Yeah. Talk about, I got to talk little world series. Uh, we're talking maybe, I know Bill, I saw your tweet. You're kind of like out maybe on the world series now. Hook, this is a, this is a memory. I think Bill actually had a piece of both of us in this one, the hundred K, uh, one drop hook. You lost aces to Kings. Bill I had believe. the biggest piece of me in that. Um, yes. Yeah. yeah, I, yeah. I, I lost. I would have been second or third in chips. I lost aces. My aces to Kings all in prey. Yep. I remember yeah. that. Yeah, that was a that was a crazy tournament. So there's a couple high rollers, a couple things. Bill, are we going to get you there this summer? Are you out 100 percent because of the WSOP stance or, or not sure? Well, here's I mean, here's the deal. Like this WSOP can change their stance and they can. It's not like they can't change vaccination. It's just a matter of like if, if you have. If you're test, if you test negative, you're like, hey, I'm willing to pay for a test every day uh, um, at the player's expense, or I'm willing to test and show I have antibodies or whatever, which is basically the same as being vaccinated. If you had a bout of COVID, right? Uh, then that that's to me is the same as being vaccinated. And so, like, I, I just, you know, it's it's definitely their right. I don't want to get anybody coming in like it's it's a private event. Of course, it's the right of the WSOP to do that. But I strongly encourage them to give people who don't want to be vaccinated but are willing to prove that they are safe to be around um, a chance to come play. Right. Okay. And so, and, and also I did, there was one thing that was sort of strange. Like they said that dealers don't need to be vaccinated. That's at least what I understood, which doesn't make a ton of sense. I don't get how they're there it's touching the car, whatever. And it, it seemed like a couple of their policies were a bit, bit out there, but um, they're, yeah. they're a little inconsistent. I don't know the behind the scenes on what's driving this type of policy. You know, the, the Twitter verse is full of people speculating on, well, they don't have to do this or the, the liability. They don't have a liability thing. It's the Rio. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it's just I, I don't know what the what the what the but there is something driving this, you know, uh, policy. Maybe it's the easiest thing. Like behavior design is basically people will tend to do the easiest thing. And so um, maybe that's the easiest policy they can come up with. And the the setting up the testing tents outside and contracting the doctors and having the the QR code whatever done maybe that's too much of a pain in the ass for them but you know I was recently in Nice in France uh, they have uh, you know pretty much you have to be vaccinated to go indoors to anything uh, or be tested and they have these testing stations everywhere because there's a lot right. of people who are just like I don't want to get I don't want I don't want to get vaccinated and but they can go up and get a test and then get a QR code and come in. 
For sure. All right. Well, listen, uh, Bill, we do. I appreciate it. We got to give, we want to, you know, this is a, this is down memory lane, hooking our, getting to reminisce, have to tell some stories, do some stuff. I got a shout out for you in the chat from any seven seven. He said he just finished your book and he also said, congrats. People are saying congrats on the heads up champ. After your, your challenge, you officially, uh, you know, got, got a withdrawal, a white flag from, from Landon Tice. So Bill, you've come a long way and people are, people are fired up saying hello and, and we'll have you on again. I think we're going to be doing something and talking about that soon with you on here. But for now, Bill, we got to let this is Hook's time. So yeah, this is Hook's time. Charlie, it's your show. Great job. Congratulations. No, I, I mean, I appreciate it. And uh, thank you for giving me this opportunity. And, you know, it just, uh, it was awesome, you know. And yeah. Massive. Honestly, like, I, you know, truly, like, our friendship, too, over the last few years has, you know, helped me become better in a lot of different areas of my life. So, you know, I appreciate you and just want to let I you know that. I appreciate you. And I, you know what I also really appreciate about this is Hook documented his journey so that, he can share it with other people who may or may want to do it to learn from his lessons, his bio, his body fat, all that stuff. And that's just the type of person Charlie Hook is. He's just a, you know, just a solid human being. Anyway, one, man. peace, peace, have fun. All right, Bill. All right, bro. All right, Bill. All right. Cheers. All right, guys. So now that's it. Hooks, Hooks, of course, you know, this is podcast 147. We've never had multi, a guest call in additionally. Um, so that this is nice. We're testing it out. Bill, come on. We had the nurse, Nina, in the house. So any other guests, Bill? You, uh, Hook, you got anyone else? We can. We might get MP on. Let's see if he's around. Uh, we can call call some people and add them in. But, um, yeah, it's been it's been cool. And we we'll, we'll, now we'll dive in. I want to cover the um, – yeah, this 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 uh, weight fasting thing, but we have a lot of stories and talking yeah. cash games, other stuff. We'll, we'll talk about kind of up, ups and downs starting, and uh, maybe actually give a little bit of a shot because I've been to your you know you're rocking the Holy Family uh, shirt there. I get, you went to college, you played uh, sport in college basketball. Basketball here, yep. And now maybe tell me a little about tell me a little bit about that and what what uh, maybe experiences you think it translates from being an athlete mental side. I want to shout out to Elliot Rowe, of course. We got to talk about that and working with him and sort of turning points and uh, and what he's helped you with. But start with uh, maybe basketball. Give me a little experience about what what uh, where you played, uh, being being in college athletics and what that was like. Yeah, so uh, Holy Family is a NCA Division two school. Uh, it's literally fifteen minutes from where I grew up. Um, you know, I, I mostly mostly coming out of high school, I was recruited by like D- Division three schools and some real small D two schools. And uh, one of my best friends signed with Holy Family, so you know, and they they were, they'd interest in me, so I, I I went along there too. So that's how I ended up at Holy Family. Really good basketball program. Uh, one of my best friends who um, who I played with, he was one of the best players in the program history. He's now the head coach. I think you've met him, Ryan Haig. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I think you, you were with us in that Jay-Z concert with Jay-Z and, and then plus, you know, other times you've hung out with him. Yeah. No, that was, that's that's very cool. And how, how do you think the uh, mentality of being an athlete with poker, what what type of uh, strengths do you think that or similarities, I should say, do you feel that that's helped you with like playing, playing a sport and then, then getting into poker? Yeah, I think it translates well, but I think you also have to – understand yourself as an athlete and understand yourself as a poker player and somehow or in some ways how they can clash, you know, your competitiveness in poker, you know, sometimes, you know, you want to stay mentally disciplined and mentally strong and not get emotional in anything in sport or, you know, poker or business, whatever. But it seems like sometimes emotions can fuel a different type of competitiveness, you know, can push you to the next, you know, can drive you, could get you, you know, you get more aggressive or force things that, you know, need to be forced. Whereas in poker, you kind of like my competitiveness, sometimes I have to turn down and, 
you know, just the competitiveness outside to make sure I'm prepared. But in game, you know, I can't be like, oh, I want to beat this person, you know, or 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 get sidetracked and or get too or even too amped up. Like, you know, you have a championship basketball game, you're like, you know, you know, you can't wait. You're like, you know, it's everything that's in your mind. But in poker, I think that approach can, you know, be dangerous at times, you know, especially when emotions come into play, where in sport, you know, it just uh, complements it a little bit more. For sure. And so, you know, we've played uh, we've played some tournaments together. We've, we've, we've played a bunch of cash together, some very high stakes games uh, over the years. And, and and for a period of time, maybe twice a week for a year and a half or two. What, yeah. uh, you know, I'd say your mental, um, you know, I love like poker is so similar. I think of FIFA all the time, right? Like the attributes like speed, you know, shot accuracy, left foot, right foot, all these things. Every poker player has attributes. You know, what is uh, what would you say your your uh, strengths are and weaknesses and maybe just what you've worked on in, in, in the weakness field for, for you to kind of uh, get to where you are in terms of playing some of the biggest games in the world and, and being mentally strong? Yeah, so uh, it's a good question. But for one thing that sticks out, even back playing college athletics and, you know, never be, and being an, – I was a two-guard, so, you know, you just keep shooting, you know, and, and you don't really – can't get too caught up with – being results oriented. And I think that's a lot of what a lot of people make in mistakes in poker, you know, especially in torrent poker, they get a score and, you know, they think or a couple scores run good. And then they, um, sorry, uh, RT's freaking out right now. Let me move. Um, so, um, as far as, um, what was I saying? I'm sorry. Talking about mental, mental strength, toughness, and, and how, you know, not being results oriented. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's a, a big thing. Like, many people in different areas are more results oriented other than just, you know, keeping things fundamental and, and, and not worrying too much about the result short term, you know, for sure. And, and uh, maybe talk a bit before, so we don't forget actually two things. One, I got to ask you, cause I don't really know many controversies or uh, situations with you mentioned the name, Ryan, you're, I think your coach, but Ryan fee, I remember seeing an interview or something where there was a bit of a, I don't want to say B for disagreement. And you know, you, you've, uh, and I think there was something said, what, what was that about? Was that something that, is that cleared up or what was that about? <laughs> oh yeah. No, that, this was too, this was 15, no, 13, 12 years ago. Who knows? But uh, yeah, so you know, I, I respect for Ryan. I, I mean, I don't know him personally, but that's it's a that's a pretty funny story. I'm, I'm I wouldn't say I'm embarrassed by it or ashamed, but Hook now would not be doing what Hook did 12 years ago. But basically, what happened with that was I was playing him heads up on ACR, and uh, uh, maybe I had like 40k on there or whatever, and he he cleaned me out. But the whole time in the chat, he's talking shit, and I'm like dude, fucking have some respect. You're, you're crushing me. Like, don't be a little like whatever. Nick frame heads up player mess. He's like, yeah, you know who you're playing, right? I'm like, no, I, I don't, I don't know. And he's like, it's Ryan fees. I'm like, Oh, okay. And I'm like thinking of him, like, and this guy's from Philly. Like, you know, what? like I can't even believe oh, he's, 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 yeah, he's from here. I think he's, he might be from outside the city. You right. know? So I don't know. I'm not really sure, but Philadelphia area. So I call a couple of friends at Nome and I got his phone number. And I call him up. I'm like, I'm like, yo, you think like, well, like you think it's okay to just talk shit like that? Like, yo, have some, have some respect. I was like, I want you to keep that like same energy next time I see you in person. And then he was like, it wasn't, he basically said it wasn't him playing. <laughs> all right. Yeah. It wasn't him. He's like, that wasn't me. I was like, all right. So that was basically it. And then, you know, Doug and other people got wind of it and asked me about it. And yeah, I mean, again, it was 12 years ago, but it just shows like, 
I would never do that today. And, you know, even with Jesse Chinney, who's one of my closest friends from poker and Marchese, like a lot of these guys, I, when I came into poker, I didn't, I didn't make any friends. I, in my mind, I was like, you know, I'm going to be competing against these guys. I don't really care to be friends with them. I have my childhood friends that, you know, I grew up with. They're my friends. And plus Kenny Samarin, who I lived with at the time, you know, was playing poker. So I didn't, I wasn't involved in any of these groups and these guys, you know, would talk strategy, this, that, whatever. And then, you know, you know, people were keyboard warriors back then and they would say stuff and I'm like, yo, there's going to like, you don't just talk to me like that. And I, you know, I, but it is probably it's different now, right? Social media information. Everyone knows everyone. There's profiles. Like, yeah, it's a little less. Uh, back in the day, it was like everyone just had these these uh, aliases and names, and we're doing whatever. So yeah, it's a little different. But people were definitely more brave uh, pre social media and, and technology. Uh, yeah, but, I mean, yeah. it's still like looking back, like whatever. Fees are just you know, I, I should have been more mentally strong, been able to handle it. And you know, I'm definitely out of line. You know calling him <laughs> like well, I mean also does depend what he's saying right I mean if he's bringing family or moms or no he like, wasn't nasty, but he was just he saying was he was just, just like needling oh he goes are you busto or can you reload and like he okay. goes yeah you suck and he was showing me bluffs and just like talk shit I, I don't remember exactly what he was saying but nothing too personal it's something that I should have been able to handle better but right. yeah I mean that was that's you know yeah. Oh, and to be honest, Doug, like, yeah, Ryan and Doug, those guys too, very successful in their own right, have their the upswing and, and do well. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I know you're close with Doug and that's, uh, it, it is, there's a lot of beefs and old stuff that would happen. So that's good to know. It's nothing, nothing uh, crazy. And they're sharp dudes. Doug and Ryan both are really sharp and they built, you know, upswing and they've done really, really well with it. You know, I respect Ryan. Like he, uh, you know, honestly, if I knew it was him, I wouldn't have played him. Like I, I back early on when heads up table started popping up, you know, I, I saw, uh, you know, I wouldn't sit with Ryan. Like, I, I always yeah. respected his game. I, I, I think he's one of the best heads-up players of all time. Yeah, no, I mean, those guys were ahead of the time. And as you see, obviously, we know they're still still doing well and and, and whatever. So that's uh, – but, yeah, interesting. Good to know that's that's clear up. I was going to say, I don't really have any controversy or stuff that I know, but that I do remember in an interview, I think. In I mean, first, even – I can't imagine getting in a fight or being crazy like that now. But uh, even some of the times that we were out together and some crazy shits happened, like – Remember that? Remember that time at Brigada when it, the dude tried jumping over the VIP and and just to touch Mike? Yeah, yeah. No, there's some, there's like, a lot of weird weird spots that, that could have gone other ways. But yeah, no, man. The people, it, it's uh, you got to be careful out there, right? There's a, there's a lot of crazy people and a lot of a lot of wild stuff going on. But there were, we definitely had good memories, good times going out. We we had a lot of fun at in Atlantic City in particular. Brigada, I think it was it was 2009 when we first met. I mean, for those that don't know, the heads, the heads up tournament. You were playing Kenny. Heads yes. up. Yes. And uh, yeah, the Borgata, man. I love the Borgata. We had so many good trips up there and that was a, uh, that was a, that was a fun place to be. Uh, we, we, you know, Hook was one of the people who first kind of shared some information, definitely like put me onto a little more, uh, yeah, poker strategy and, 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 and definitely show me some stuff. So it was cool. And then it's fun to battle. And we did, we have played a fair amount of high stakes cash and, and, uh, it's, it's just, it's interesting, different, different paths and, uh, nice to, to get to have a conversation and talk about it and look at where we're at now. I want to, I want to check in on the early stage of the poker though. What got you into poker? Cause when you were, you were playing very high when I met you and, you know, sort of showing me some stuff that I wasn't accustomed to, uh, strategy wise and whatnot. What, uh, what was your, your 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 path into poker how did you who showed it to you how did you get into it how are you playing such high stakes early back then well i'm definitely like 
at the core of degenerate. Like I love the gamble. Like there's no doubt about it. And it's been like that from as long as I can remember. Um, but I, I've, I've been exposed to gambling since, you know, three, four, five years old, you know, especially growing up in the neighborhood I did, you know, it, it's, there's a lot of gambling and, you know, whatever there's booking and all kinds of stuff that's going on. So I've been exposed to it with, you know, friends and family and stuff. And, uh, I always like puzzles and strategy games and uh, yeah. So like my first, my first experience with gambling was uh, the neighborhood I grew up in. They would have a carnival every year and there was a wheel, you know, the money wheel have a dollar, 20, a five, and then you bet on it. And then, but they didn't have it set proportionally. So, and they, they were like spinning. They were like all like in a frenzy to try and like keep on countering the wheel to make sure, you know, for whatever logic they, it wasn't, it wasn't created correctly. Right. So like you, if you put money, they had more ones on there that should have been, and then they changed it, put some twenties on. So now there should only whatever, how many spaces there should only be two $20 bills. So now they have like four $20 bills, but so you just bet 20. So like I, the first year that happened, I, you know, I remember getting like 20 bucks off my mom. I'm in probably fifth grade. I don't even know. And, uh, and I run up like 150 and I'm, stacked and then uh, that so that's like my first experience with gambling and then next year when the current carnival came back I started telling some of my friends like follow me bet this bet that and then I kind of ruined the whole thing because then they caught on the that they just took the wheel down totally so right. um but as far as poker um you know I my grandma uh I, I started playing my grandma at a young age we play for pretzels or whatever like we played a lot of cards, her and I, uh, basically like, my mom worked two jobs. So like big parts of the summer when I'm out of school, I was staying with my grandma and, uh, we played cards all the time and I just, I just loved it. And then, you know, after the moneymaker boom, I think I was like senior in high school or right around that time we started playing with my high school friends and some of my, like for, you know, a couple dollars here and there. And then, um, I started playing in underground poker games in, in, uh, in Philadelphia and started playing online. And that's when Kenny, and Ken, my freshman year in college, Kenny, me and Kenny Samarin lived together and he was already like full fledged, like crushing sit and goes. And, uh, yeah, I think I like early on, I dusted a couple of his bank rolls too. And, 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 and what was like the, uh, I mean, to, to look back at that and then to see, you know, playing a hundred K buy-in tournament, you know, play some of these, uh, you know, where you are now, some 25 Ks and stuff. Like what was, when you first started here in, in 2006 playing tournaments, what was your online versus, uh, I guess, well, you had been playing already, right? You were playing online cash at this point. Like what got you into tournaments at any point from cash? Yeah. So, so, you know, watching on TV, like back then, you know, earlier I mentioned that accolades, like whatever, I didn't care, but I think, or currently I don't care, but back then I, I wanted to win some tournaments and, you know, I played 95% primarily on online on poker stars. I was playing, you know, to six max, um, anywhere from, uh, two, four way up to 2550. Then they added some 5,100 cables and I would take shots and had some good runs that, you know, ended bad. <laughs> I mean, I mean, as you know, you know, you were around for a lot of it. I, I went, my, my early on in my career was, it was an absolute roller coaster. So, um, and, and you know what, when you have no kids and no responsibilities, it's fine. And, and you get, you learn a lot of lessons and, and, you know, there was only one way it was going to go. What, you know, it just isn't going to keep going up when you like are always exposed with most of your bankroll or all of your bankroll. Um, but I had, you know, you know, Marchese, you, other people that, you know, supported me if I ever would like, not forever, but when, when I would go broke, they would, you know, you guys would 
figure a way to get me an action and I would rebuild and then go through it again. And, you know, it's not that I regret it because I, I learned so much through all those experiences, but it's not, you know, it's, it's just not a professional way to approach, you know. Yeah. I want to, I want to say, I mean, yeah, for sure. I mean, I, from knowing you from around 09 and a couple of years and some, some tough years up and downs and seeing, you know, some tough spots, but w- what was like a turning point for you? I know Elliot Rowe, uh, working with him was a big, big shift, but w- what was, would you say was like a point in your life where, you know, either you were just like, Oh, I'm not going to do this anymore in terms of going up and down, up and down. Like, when did it change for you? Was it Chris being born? Was it, uh, when was it just like, all right, I gotta, like, I gotta do this or not? There's all these different things that came together all at once. Um, when Chris was born, I was scared. I was like, you know, I was playing on the Jersey sites and I still was struggling with, you know, just being disciplined with a bankroll management. And, uh, you know, even more so I felt all this pressure and, uh, you know, so, I was like, I made a decision. I, I actually watched the Fedor Holtz, Holtz um, and Elliot Rowe podcast. So I reached out to Elliot and I started working with him. And this is around the same time I started coming out to Houston to play. And, you know, my wife, you know, she she was basically like the biggest supporter I could ever ask for. And I'm like really just thinking about like, yo, like you got to have discipline. Like you have a family now, you know, you can't, it isn't fair to them, you know. And I even considered, I, I, I did consider using my degree. I, you know, I, um, I got my undergrad degree in uh, biology from Holy Family and I was going to, you know, work in a lab or be a teacher and uh, yeah, and just play poker on the side. And then, yeah, just uh, with Elliot and, you know, support from a bunch of people, I, I was able to, you know, get it done, get, get, get some discipline. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's still something I struggle with. Like, you know, I, fortunately for, for me, I'm, I'm in a spot where, it's different where, you know, I'm just smarter about it, but yeah, I don't know. Looking back, I, I don't regret any of it. I mean, it, it was all good learning experiences and going back to saying like, I think at that age, it's fine. You know, as long as you can, you know, you should take some shots, but as long as you, you know, you keep things intact as far, you know, what happens is you're going down a rabbit hole that can get dangerous. Right. And it's like, at some point, if things get too ugly, there's like no, no point of return. Right. It, it, it for sure. I mean, I think also the definition of insanity is doing the same thing and expecting different results. And I mean, we have friends, you know, we've, we've all, you've seen it, we've been a, seen things and it's just like at some point, right. You gotta, you gotta just kind of take a stand and, and it's not fun to just be constantly doing the same thing over again and not getting results. So yeah, shout out to Elliot Rowe. I've also, you know, honestly, the reason I wanted to work with him, I'd heard about him for a long time. I also saw him work with Fedor. I knew he was very good at what he did, but you know, for me personally, I actually saw the shift and change in you. And I was like, wow, like, you know, I'd seen you struggle at times with things and, and men- mentally to just sort of do the right things because you were a talented poker player, but just not being able to quite put everything together. And then when, once you kind of shifted and got it going and I was like, wow, this is, this is definitely, you know, I can find stuff that I could be better at or work on and, and just start working with Elliot. So, you know, I think a big, big shot to him because he definitely is very good at what he does and, and, and does get people on track and gets results. So yeah, you know, big, uh, big, big, Big hello and shout out to him, Ellie Rowe. Uh, yeah, cheers to him. But um, cool. Well, yeah, that is. Uh, I, I guess I want to understand too about where you grew up because it was. You know, I've been, I've seen, I've gone to where you live. It's actually nearby where you know one of my my family members lived. I remember we went there, saw saw her, and then also came went by. But you know, tell me a little bit about growing up for you, and you know, how often do you go back home, um, and, and a little bit about your community and, and what it was like growing up. Yeah, I mean, I grew up in like the Wissanoming Frankfurt section of Philadelphia. Um, I grew up in a row home, and uh, yeah, I mean, it was. Uh, I, I love my childhood. You know, I like 
the, the guys that I grew up with are like my brothers forever. Right. And like, you know, I always thought like, and even looking back, like I, I, I was blessed. I was lucky. I had, you know, my mom was a devout Catholic that worked their ass off to make sure that I had resources that a lot of my friends didn't have. So, you know, I went to private school. I mean, some of my friends did, but I went to private school. My mom, you know, basically worked a bingo hall, would do whatever it did or whatever she could to be able to afford the tuition. And, uh, but I, I always like, you know, my grandma and my uncles and my aunts, they were all like, you know, really, really tight family and, and they kept me balanced. And, you know, I felt like, you know, I had, I had a great, especially compared to some of my friends who, you know, it, it wasn't, you know, everyone had some fucked up shit at home. Me and all my, my brothers, you know, I call them like, that's the way I see them. But, you know, we all had each other and, you know, and yeah. And like I said, I felt fortunate because, you know, some of the stuff that my friends went through, you know, it, it was hard seeing and knowing that they had to go through that. Um, but yeah. And yeah, you came to my neighborhood. My mom was still living in the neighborhood at the time, probably about like 10 years ago. So you saw the way I grew up in the area. I think we went and got cheesesteaks and then you told me your aunt lived in Kensington and I was like, like it shocked me. Cause that's, that's like the next neighborhood or neighborhood in uh, yeah. neighborhoods over from where I grew up. Um, and, and you told me she lived the Kensington Allegheny, like anyone can YouTube Kensington Allegheny and be like, Oh shit. So we went into her house. She, what she did was she bought that firehouse. Yeah. And I was like, I mean, she's in the middle of one of the, probably the worst neighborhoods in the world. Yeah. Or, I shouldn't say world, but one of the worst neighbors in the country. Um, and that's where I went to high school. I w- the private school I went to was in Kensington. So, I mean, I was just exposed to so much, you know, you know, with the inner city and just different, you know. You know, I, I don't know the last time you've been back, but first of all, shout out to my aunt because she, her place, she has this old firehouse. It's a pretty incredible place, like five stories and like, it's awesome, but it's for sure a tough neighborhood. But I've seen, and I haven't been there in maybe two, three years now, but when I was back there, the areas around it were like, crazy developing like nice stuff all over popping up so i'm curious how it is right now in general but like i just saw that like area i was shocked like it was like fully kind of like detroit how shocked i was where when i went back to detroit and i was like wow like it's really nice in a lot of areas so i don't know if that's like quite touched in that that region yet but it does Mm -hmm. seem like it's developing really nicely and and growing but yeah so so one of the surrounding neighborhoods is fishtown and and right around the area of fishtown where fishtown meets kensington they definitely put some nice restaurants in and, you know, the infrastructure's changed a bit, you know, and, and, but there's just pockets, man. There's like, you'll be in a really nice area or nice neighborhood or part of the neighborhood. It's really nice. And then, you know, two blocks over it's, it's, you shouldn't be going there. Like it's, it's super dangerous. Um, and again, for me, you know, even parts of my neighborhood, you know, me and my friends didn't like really go into, but you know, we were all exposed to it, but like I go back now and I walk through the neighborhood and I, I get, I don't feel that comfortable. You know, uh, I, I always like I, I was like thinking that would never happen. I go to my neighborhood and never feel that way. But I mean, some of my friends still live in the neighborhood. Um, but, you know, as a kid, we I, we ha- I had 15 of my friends. We were all, we always went everywhere together. Uh, yeah. And, you know, there's been some shaky situations like I, I, I got stuck up twice, uh, you know, but uh, that was young. I actually when I was actually going to uh I was taking a bus from my neighborhood into Kensington to get a haircut. And a dude, a dude put a, uh, a gun to my back uh, uh, on the, on the SEPTA bus and took my bus tokens. So, you know, yeah, I mean, just uh, yeah. Grew up in inner city Philadelphia and was exposed to a lot. But like I said, I was really fortunate. My mom, 
sent me to private school because, you know, the, the schools in the neighborhood were no good. Um, and, you know, that's that's our thing. Like I see like some of my friends I grew up with and where they're at today. And I, it, it's like inspiring to me. Like I'm so proud of all of them, you know, like, you know, with the little resources they had in, in different ways and some of the troubling, you know, things that were going on in the neighborhood or in, in our houses or whatever, like to see where they're at now is like, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing. So, yeah. For sure. And, and uh, what, what do you, do you prefer? Um, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, now it's different because you are, you know, maybe talk a bit about some of the, the biggest pots or the won or lost, not necessarily, you know, playing with some interesting people that we all know, uh, but we can't go into too much details on that. But in terms of maybe some of the pot sizes, some of the highs mm-hmm. and lows on biggest wins, biggest losses we could cover. But if you were to just take, let's take that hundred K uh, deep run, right? You're in there. You aces all into Kings. It's $5 million to first, you know, we're both, we both yep. were in that tournament. That was pretty exciting. But like, what to you is more exciting to play like a deep stack cash game or like when you're, mm. let's just take that, that, uh, this, this feeling where it's 5 million up top. Um, and you know, something like where you're, you're down to two, three tables, uh, this, or like playing a big, you know, on the turn in a massive cash pot. How do you kind of relate? I, to? I, 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 I prefer cash nosebleeds cash just super like you know juicy games like you know over tournaments especially the way that the games evolved and first of all how good these tournament players are and second just like you know i i want to do it i like the the thought of it and once i'm registered and sitting in my seat i'm like damn why why am i playing this tournament like people are taking five minutes to make a decision you know it's just it's just it you know, I, I don't, I don't enjoy it. I don't have a passion. I don't have fun. I, I think I do. But then once I expose myself to it again, I'm like, fuck, what am I doing here? You know, right. yes. but as you get deeper, then that goes away and you're like, this is really fucking cool, you know? And, and uh, yeah, I mean, I will say this when I play tournaments and I'm in a big all in or a bluff or whatever, I feel like my heart rate and get more jittery or nervous than any kind of cash games that I've, you know, been in monster pots or bluffed or whatever. I, you know, I, so yeah, it's different. It's just different emotions probably running through and, you know, whatever. For sure. And I, I want to, I do, I wanna, let's talk, we want to get some questions here. So I do want to, there's a lot. So we'll, we'll try to zoom through a lot of these. Yeah, about 45 more minutes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. About 30, 30, 45, 30, 30. I got to actually do a commentary for, for party poker after this. So yeah, about 30 minutes. So like I do want to leave room for questions. And yeah. um, I also, yeah. So why don't we talk a little bit about some of the big, maybe ups and downs the highs and lows and some of the biggest pots you've played, also biggest winning or losing sessions. And mm-hmm. it'll be up to you to, to, to share numbers or, or, or a range. But, um, you know, tell me a little about the mental, like how you how the difference is from these super highs to these super lows. Because you know, I think mental health, obviously, is such a big topic in the world right now. You see it at the Olympic levels and, you know, at whatever, right? Like this is also in poker, you're actually hitting some super high extremes, right? You can literally be losing or winning. I'll let you go into numbers. Yeah. But like how do you deal with the, the, when it's really good and when it's really bad, do you, have you found yourself sort of uh, being able to, to, to stay more balanced and then maybe share a little bit about that before we take these questions? Yeah. So as far as the mental aspect of it, you know, I, I don't, I, I would love to think that I can handle it, you know, and it is nothing and whatever, but I, you know, over the past few years that, you know, my results working with Elliot and even what's going like how dialed I am versus when I'm not working with him is like, it's drastic. And, you know, he's been, as far as the mental aspect of it, he's the, you know, the, the most key, you know, figure in my growth as far as that. But um, yeah, I mean, the, the roller coaster 
definitely wouldn't be fun today. I mean, you know, I, I the highs and lows. So I, I, I try and, you know, stay even keeled regardless of results. Like I said earlier, not being too results oriented. And then also like even in winning sessions, you know, making sure that, uh, you know, back to results oriented, but people are usually results oriented in losses, but not wins. They don't really evaluate, look back and be like, yeah, I won. But if I continue to play this way, it's, it's not winning poker or like, you know, and, and it's important that at all times I'm just trying to play, you know, fundamentally the best that I know. For sure. And, and would you say that, you know, in terms of when you have a, let's say a big loss in a session, how, how are you able, what are some things you do to, to sort of uh, like after it's over, how do you sort of like bounce back? And also do you notice a mood like, uh, cause listen, I know how my wife is, you know, Amelia and I am a man as well. Like when you're at home, you know, it's not fun to lose, but it's tournaments or cash. If you bust or, or something, have you yeah. gotten sort of better and like how do you guys handle in terms of communicating do you, do you automatically tell her win or lose what happens do you just say hey, yeah. don't really worry about it how do you guys handle that yeah I mean I, I don't even know if I'd be able to get through the swings without being transparent to Amanda and letting her know about how I feel emotionally and even the numbers you know she's the only person that I really share with my sister too she knows a bit but uh yeah I mean Amanda's been amazing supportive you know and and she's always keeps things in perspective and positive for me and uh yeah, I mean, I think I think early on, like, you know, when Chris was born again, it, it was stressful times and, uh, you know, I didn't handle it as well. But, you know, again, as I grew and, you know, it's been tough on her, too. Right. Like, you know, Amanda, you know, she she worked her ass off, got her degree in nursing, you know, wanted to start a family. And then, you know, you have to kind of you kind of have to believe in what I'm what I'm putting out here. Right. Because it's like, yo, her life's, you know, tangled into this. Right. Like our kids lives like. Sure. It, you know, just some pipe dream or like, you know, is he ever going to be able to get disciplined? Like, is, is he ever going to, you know, handle this more professionally? So like, you know, maybe if she doesn't come around and we don't, you know, start a family, maybe I wouldn't. So I, I don't know. I, you know, I just know that she's instrumental, like even, my, and, and again, her, my mom has always been supportive. Uh, she wasn't thrilled, you know, because, uh, you know, the plan was to go to medical school and, chose poker and you know my mom's been real supportive through the ups and downs now looking back you know she she helped me get through some times but it's like fuck like you know I can't imagine what was truly going through her head you know because if that was my son I'd be like I want you to not play poker anymore but yeah yeah how uh just before I forget on that because I, I have a pretty good idea but in terms of your mom you know met her and 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 how was her like how has she handled sort of the uh the highs and lows and so like from when you at what point was there a point where because she I know very supportive the family but was there a point when they were kind of like look man like hook mm-hmm. like you're you now have a kid you know whatever or you're or you're getting married these type of things where they like look you should they try to kind of direct you, guide you into a different path because they saw how volatile it was or were they always just like, do what you love? Well, I think really the only people I listened to when it came down to that, like without could really break through and I, I, you know, reevaluate what I'm doing or like my close friends growing up, my mom, Amanda, whatever. And to be honest, I would say 95% of it was all supportive. I'm sure like, you know, some, like even my friends, they, they started having real jobs after college. They, they would, like my buddy uh, Wanger, like at one point he gave me a bunch of cash to, you know, survive and, you know, continue to play and be in action. And my childhood friends who weren't involved in the industry, you know, they, they supported me. And, you know, it, it, it helps when you see other people supporting, you know, this, you know, this journey. And uh, yeah, so I'm sure, I'm sure that 
people were probably a lot of people probably with the fuck's hooked doing, you know, you know, but also I, I do think going back all my friends and, and people that are close to me and know me from, you know, early on know that like, I just don't like to fail. And, and you know, it's not that you could just guarantee success in poker, but you know, I felt myself early on not being I, I, like a little bit of self-sabotage and then also like not, not working as hard as I could have worked or, or getting the discipline needed because maybe I was scared that if I did all that and still failed, you know, it, 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 I didn't have a scapegoat like, Oh, like, you know, and, and that's basically what changed everything again was working with Elliot and doing everything, you know, goggles knows I started getting some coaching from him and I, you know, I, I still get coaching and work on my game and, you know, the games evolved so much. I won't be able to compete with the best players in the world anymore, or, you know, online or whatever, these high rollers, but there's different things that I need to stay sharp with and work on to make sure that I'm ready for what I do in poker, you know? For sure. Uh, well, before we, I, I agree, but before we do, I want to remind everyone we are giving away a 109 ticket here and you guys can ask a question. We'll try to get to as many as we can. We'll, we're going to dive in. Also, my dad had a few questions. Good shout out to Papa G. I know you guys had a, got did a nice course together and got to no, hang out and know each other. Uh, yeah. Actually, there was an experience with your dad where we, you know, him and I did the choice together. And then, you know, he knew how stressed out I was going into, you know, when Chris was born and he, uh, he, he, you know, I, I, I felt like I held a lot of it and was kind of mad at myself and blamed things on me and look, and I was doing a lot of like wishing and like, oh, I wish I did. And like, I, no, I don't do any of that now. Like there ain't no wishing over here. Like I don't wish for things like, you know, I think that's just a weak mindset. And your dad, like, gave me some really good books to read and like talked about forgiving yourself and not being so hard on yourself. And, and, and that was also a key moment. They all like just came together all at once. I don't, if you can remember when we were on the balcony in Vegas, like it just, you know, and, and enough's enough. Like, you know, I just, I just needed to get disciplined and, and, you know, I had a really good, really good support around me. For sure. No, I, I remember that. And uh, he actually will lead it off before we dive into the, the questions here. Uh, I do actually want to I'll take we'll take a couple of his. Um, and he does say hello, but I want to ask you as well. Like the, so give me give me a little bit of a, a range, either a session, a week, a pot, you can whatever you want to mm-hmm. give me a little scope. on What's the biggest like win, win and loss, either pot wise or session wise? Well, you've ever my had biggest my biggest loss is bigger than my biggest win. Um, but you know, I'll talk about the stakes. The highest stakes I ever played was 2000, 4000, no limit. Um, played a few different times, but I've been in some really big pots, win and lose. Uh, you know, I don't know, probably stress my mom out if she heard some of these numbers, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I it just, it, it doesn't phase me either way with, with, you know, I, again, I don't get too happy. Like, oh my God, like, guess what? I won this big pot or, you know, oh shit, like I fucking lost this pot. Like, you know, and as soon as those those thoughts start creeping in, you know, that's what I have Elliot for. And, uh, yeah. And I, I think that, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to go into exact pot sizes, but, I, you know, I, I've won some tattoo bets during some of these pots. There's been some big, big numbers flying around. That's for sure. Some some big, big sessions, big hands. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, it's large. So, yeah, I don't want to give exacts, but it, it's, you know, these are, if you can imagine 2K, 4K, that's not a, uh, that is that's not the buy-in. That's the the, the blind. So I mean, small blind, yeah. big blind, straddles, other stuff. And I know it's gotten pretty pretty astronomical. I mean, even back from again, when we were playing a lot. Like the game got pretty big, and then it would go in lulls. But it's really just taken off. I mean, the, the size of some of these home games, the biggest games in LA, in Houston, in Miami, um, some other parts of the, of the country. They really the games have gotten bigger. It's just like the tournament buy-ins, million-dollar 
tournaments. There's there's cash games that are just kind of uh, it's crazy to think about how big they are. And, and you've definitely you know been a part of some of the probably record record pots at least in the last couple of years um, both ways. So very cool. Let's take some uh, let's take some questions over here again. You guys still too not too late to get in. Ask. Uh, a question we're going to go right here. We just one from Kieran Bros asking about your childhood, which you just kind of went through. So we already we already covered yeah. that. Um, what is the uh, biggest way to counterbalance playing poker? How do you kind of find yourself, especially with some of these late nights? You know, you finish at what yeah. six a.m., eight a.m., maybe twenty four, thirty six hour sessions, some crazy yeah. stuff. How do you find your way? Hours how do you get back into like kind of normal life or just like real life with your kids too? It's like now your kids start having activities. They have school. You know, how are you? being able to kind of shift from like, all right, this is professional life, grind time to family time. How do you kind of segue and do that? Yeah. Well, I, you know, outside of Elliot, I, I have a few people that I work with. Uh, uh, my friend out here, his name's Tony LaCara. Uh, he just, he does like physical therapy and training. So like we're all, we, we make sure that no matter what, uh, you know, I'm recovered and, you know, I, I do ice baths, I do a sauna I still, I work out, you know, uh, my diet is decent, but it could be better. Um, but you get a family life, man. Like that, that is, that is the easiest balance. Like, you know, it's, it's like, I, I, there's nothing more important to me than being involved in my kids and my wife's, you know, everyday life. So, you know, that helps keep the balance. You know, I mean, his, his, his my, my family's goals are more important to me than anything else at this point, you know, and just making sure that it's hard. I mean, it's not easy, like staying present and being like tired. Like I, I there's a few different times that, you know, had a parent teacher meeting or some kind of whatever for my son. And I'm coming off a 48 hour session and I'm like struggling. And I'm talking to the, like uh, Christopher's friends, parents. I'm like, Oh my God, like I'm so shot out right now, you know? But yeah, I mean, it's not the easiest thing to balance. Let's be real. Like, and then on top of that, one thing that I always respected about you is how hard you fucking work and, and how you are a machine with like, you, you would get your sleep on planes. You go from one city, but then I also was like, I don't want to be over diversified as far as time and even investments or whatever, like you do. And then you find yourself and you start getting involved in crypto and real estate and, you know, and that helps balance it. But then it takes away from, you know, the family life. So I try and keep a good balance and, you know, and just, uh, yeah, and enjoy some of my hobbies and, and uh, yeah, and spend some time with my friends and uh, my family just the priority well there's a question right here just kind of segue in their longest session i mean is this for is it 48 hours is it longer what is no, it i did so back in whatever whatever year i won whatever year i went deep into commerce heads up tournament uh whatever year that was 2009 maybe 10 i don't even know um i don't even know if i cashed in i might have lost them but whatever long story short i went out to commerce for a month and i didn't get sunlight the entire month i didn't leave the casino I went to my room and I remember one particular session where I was like, like almost 60 hours in or something. And I started like hallucinating, but I, I, I was playing 2040. Actually, I think Antonio Espindari was in the game too. And um, we're playing 2040, no limit. And I was stuck like five or 6,000 finally got even. And I had to have the concierge at the commerce help me up to my room. Like, and I was like, I'm never doing that again. Like I, I was on a different planet. Like I was actually scared to go to sleep. I'm like, uh, you know, this can't be healthy. Like this is bad. Like uh, I was like, I was being, I was seeing things. I was going delirious. So I, uh, yeah, that was my longest session and uh, didn't get fresh air for a month because 
I think I slept like 20 some hours after that session and just went right back at it. So now I, I, you know, every once in a while, there might be a 24 hour session that pops up or we're just playing or whatever, but we've done a really good job of like just making sure that we're not, we're not pushing the limit and, and knowing other parts of our life and keep, you know, keeping off the balance. So yeah, uh, that was my longest session was at the commerce. I mean, you've, you've been around me like, that's, that's another attribute that I always had was I can, I can play and play and play. Yeah. And, you know, I remember, uh, shout out to my buddy, Rob Velasco, uh, him and I were living together. My, one of my first year, uh, after college and he would come down, he was, he was going to law, he was going to law school and he'd come down, there'd be piss bottles next to the computer. And he'd be like, what the fuck? And I'd tell him like, yeah, I don't mean, I just piss right in these Gatorade bottles. So I don't want to miss, you know, I, I would play fucking 10,000, yeah, probably yeah, 10,000 hands sessions or whatever. And, uh, yeah. So, I mean, and smashed a lot of computers back then. I would smash computer. He must've thought I was crazy. Uh, but yeah. So back to the longest sessions. I mean, I, I've had a lot over 24 hours, a lot, but the one that stands out the most is the commerce early on in my career. For sure. I, I, I've played a couple in Houston and, and we got to give some, some shout outs to some of the people. Nick, of course, Nick at night. Uh, you know, I know he, I think he might be watching or tuned in and, and Nick, uh, one of my best friends, you know, uh, I fucking, I love that guy, you know, and that's our thing with this poker journey. Like I, I never thought that I would, I would gain friendships and trust and, and love for anyone outside of the people I grew up with and my family. Right. Like, and still to this day, like they're, they're, you know, that's, that's everything to me. But, you know, the people that I've met through the poker journey, you, Marchese, Mike, Jesse Chinney, uh, you know, Nick, um, Perkins, Kathy, like, um, you know, uh, Sora, like, you know, and then people that I've learned so much and I've grown because of being friends with them and, 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 you know, they all, they all, they all mean a lot to me in, yeah. in different ways, you know? I, I, for sure. I mean, that, again, like the names and the people and just some of the, the legends that we've got like played with and just, you know, everyone's so unique. I think that's the coolest thing about poker is like people, yes. especially at the higher stakes and stuff to, to from us that we're coming up a little bit younger and we're not background of business and, and to get to kind of rub off or get to see what works, what successful people do and, and how they kind of uh, interact. And the fact that poker is a common ground where people love to compete, play and, and, and talk and, and whatnot. It's been been cool yeah big shout out to bobby and and some of those guys there that you know houston, uh, houston poker it's amazing it's an amazing place and some great relationships there for sure you're spot on i've learned so much i mean financial literacy particularly like you know a lot of my bankroll management and stuff like that early on was not just because i was a dj and i wanted to run it up but you know i didn't know anything about you know investing and diversifying and you know even back in whatever 2000 early 2000 10, 11, 12, whatever. I, whenever I started working with Russell Fox as my accountant, like I didn't, I didn't know any of that. I didn't know how to, you know, balance a spreadsheet and, 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 you know, be professional about things or I didn't know anything about like growing up. Like it's funny because I look at some of the kids that, you know, come from, you know, households with more resources or, you know, you know, middle class or, or higher. Right. And like, during Christmas, they'll get stock and stuffers that are like stocks or like some kind of like gold investments, whatever. And like our stock and stuffers were, uh, were like scratch off lottery tickets and football pools, like, you know? So uh, I think over the last six, seven years, I think as far as like, uh, I guess I could say I was financially illiterate coming into it and just have learned so much. And, 
and when to take chances and and how to evaluate an investment and whatever, you know, and yeah, so. Very, yeah, no, very cool. It's, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been, I mean, poker is a great game, really. I think there's so many, so many good things that have come from that. And a lot of my strongest relationships I met either directly from the poker table or, or indirectly. And, uh, of course, there's also some, some crazy stuff too, right? There's like, there is some negative things in poker, but just like business or life. I mean, we've mm-hmm. been a part of or seen some stuff that's pretty, pretty horrible. And, and it is what it is, right? Like, that's just part of the game. There is stuff, there's lessons, and there is, and just anytime there's money, business, poker games, whatever, there's going to be some, some negative things and you got to keep your head on a swivel and, and try to do the right things. But, uh, I think that, you know, that's safe to say that we've learned, learned a lot of lessons and, 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 and poker has been very good to you and, uh, and, and for me for sure. So, uh, top three tips to learn cash games. Anyone like if you had advice for someone who wants to start playing cash right now, what would you say to someone who wants to get into it? I mean, the training sites for sure, or, or, or hire a coach. I don't, you know, depending on, you know, you know, if you're just starting out, you probably don't have, you know, if you're trying to build a bank or whatever, you, you know, uh, I would suggest you get an Elliot Rowe and, you know, uh, you know, Doug's upswing or, you know, um, Tyler Forrester, uh, as goggles knows, that's who I work with. He does some private coaching. Um, yeah. Uh, just get coaching and, and, uh, there's great sites out there. There's great coaches and well, you have to be careful because there are some really bad coaches too. There's some snake oil out there. People like, like for me, like, you know, if someone approached me for coaching, I'd be like, I'm not, I'm basically not qualified. Like there's so many better people at, at especially like, I'm not going to pretend and act like I can hop back in the online streets right now and win. It's just, I would, I would have to put a lot of work in. So just gotta be careful, especially, you know, you, you see uh, some guys with training sites that have some really good results, but you know, that doesn't carry over to, to today's game. So I would just, you know, get a good coach. I would, you know, do my due process of like figuring out who is good, who's not. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think upswing, I think Doug's really good. I mean, Doug knows how to dumb it down too. Like Doug's such a smart guy, but he, he does a really good job of breaking things down. So everyone can understand. And, and, you know, fundamentally Doug, Doug's, Doug's so good and, and he, and he's a hard worker. So yeah, upswing. And again, Tyler Forrester, probably my two. Yeah. It's a, it's a, that, that is true. On side too. Yep. Those are all, there's a lot of good options. Those two for sure. I think that's one of the, the tricky parts is like someone you take someone who's really good at something doesn't mean they're going to be a good coach or be able to, to get their thoughts down to the, to the level where people want to, that they can take it in. So, I mean, for sure, again, there's so many good options, but yeah, Doug, Phil, those, those sites, they've been doing it a long time and they, 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 they kind of cater to all the different levels and entry points. So for sure, I agree with that. Um, uh, sports. What about, do you practice any sports? Are you still playing some basketball? I saw you could dunk recently still, or is, is that? Yeah. 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 Um, I still play basketball every once in a while, but not much, not no leagues or anything. I'm too scared to get injured, man. Like I can't, I don't want to have a broken arm or tear an ACL or whatever. And I, I, I enjoy working out and doing, you know, staying active, but as far as like the sport and plus I'm too competitive. Like I, I just, you know, I just, I don't, I don't really, dabble in sports or teams or anything anymore i just uh stay try and stay in shape and you know my son loves baseball and it's it's been fun like you know having catches with him and we had we had uh shout out to uh jason lowell he uh he's a uh a baseball coach a hitting instructor back home and we had chris working with him all summer and was amazing so like i wanted to learn more about baseball because i don't know that much about baseball and if i'm going to be helping chris while we're out here in houston I don't want to be setting back and, you know, have to have someone reverse engineer 
all the bad fundamental stuff that I've taught them. So, you know, I, I've been I'm learning more about baseball and, uh, you know, I, I enjoy playing with Chris. So, yeah. Very cool. Um, do you think it, this question from Andre Bassos asking, do you think it's possible to be really good in both cash games and tournaments? Or do you think it's oh. more, more likely to focus on both one or the other? I mean, I again, back to fundamentals, I think, you know, there's no more sound way to learn poker than, you know, playing cash games. Um, but they're different, right? But it seems like from my experience, again, like I'm pretty far removed from what's going on in poker today and, and what what really, like what what's winning, what's what's the best way, like is it GTO, whatever. Um, but I felt that all the best cash game players did a really good job coming over to the tournament world. Like I feel like me and my friends from the cash games have always done well when we when we did play tournaments. I mean, you take like a Tom Rickese, uh Tony, uh, Tony, uh, Tony Greg, um, and you take Greggy, I mean, Dog. I mean, all these guys have done really well when they've ventured into tournaments, but I don't think tournament players do necessarily well when when they hop into cash games. They're just not used to playing that deep. There's just a different game, you know, and, and yeah, they might play, you know, a 10 big blind, 20 big blind stack perfectly, but, you know, that's not how low, no limit cash games work. You know, you're, you're buying in deep and you're putting in some really tricky spots, you know, it isn't like, it isn't all just, straightforward as far as tournaments are right like shelf ranges and this that whatever you can just do some studying um and figure out what what's the right play in that spot but yeah so i i think i think i mean i'm biased but i think that cash game players are just overall more skilled and i think the purest form of poker is heads up and i feel like heads up players are are the best like i just feel like if they want to go play six max, do a little bit of tweaking, a little bit of coaching, they're going to be ready. They want to go play tournaments, they're going to be ready pretty quick. But you take a tournament player and just start sticking them in the heads up against the best, they're just it's not it's not going to work out well. For sure. All right, well, let's take let's take a couple more here. There's a lot, so I guess the Hook does. Yeah. We'll see. He's tagged on these, and and hopefully you know he can answer some more on directly as well. But we want to make sure we have time to give the the ticket away, and then I do have the community knockout. Going to be doing some streaming for party poker here shortly. So I like this question here what was the most memorable situation you have ever lived in your poker career so far by uh by now like what what, what is it maybe i don't know a tournament cash game early on in your career winning online something or being at a, a location for something what, what what is something in poker you just really stands out for you that you that you love um the winning the 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 Bergata event was pretty cool and i called that I, I left actually left the vegas world series of poker and i'm like i'm gonna go play this Bergata event and uh I remember that actually. Yeah. The, yeah. The, the tournament's amazing too, right? Cause just cause the timing of it, it's in the summer. It was incredible. Um, that, that, that was pretty cool. But like, I would say outside of like the things that poker have, like, for example, like my mom, like go back to my mom. She, you know, she worked, you know, two jobs, whatever, did everything support me. She supported every, she gave up everything in her life to make sure that my sister and I had whatever we needed to pursue what we wanted to pursue. And, and then, you know, my mom, she left my neighborhood, which, you know, isn't, you know, is what it is, but to a worse neighborhood and, you know, where she worked and was taking public transportation, just like stressed out of her work. Like it was just overwhelming. So I think like for me, being able to help my mom in a way that she could retire a few years early, um, is, I would say is probably my biggest achievement. Like that, that's what, that's the most fulfilling thing for me as far as poker that, you know, I, I can give back to her for all the sacrifices that she made. I mean, 
hopefully, hopefully I don't fuck that up and can't, can't, can't help her there anymore. But uh, yeah, so far I'll, I would say that's for me, that's the greatest accomplishment was to be able to give back to my mom for all the sacrifices that she made and, you know, the back end of, you know, her life or whatever, she can enjoy all the hard work that she put in, you know, so. Very cool. All right, well, let's take let's take one or two more, and then I'll load up this giveaway. the the uh, What is the best place in the world for playing poker? Let's take let's take like tournament. You know, maybe I know you did Monte Carlo and traveled some around the world. Where's your favorite place the, the, out of all the stops that you've been for poker? Monte Carlo by by far. I actually, I liked. I really loved Aruba. We had that's where I met Marchese. He was down in Aruba, um, and him and I became really really close ever since. And um, maybe Aruba, uh, Monte Carlo. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I'm biased. I, I always, you know, the Brigada is always going to have a special place, you know, for me. But, you know, uh, Monte Carlo is pretty amazing. Uh, yeah, I love Nice. Uh, uh, San Remo was awesome. But, yeah, I mean, again, like growing up in Philly, you know, I, I barely left my neighborhood. The only time I really left my neighborhood was my family, like aunts and uncles. They, they had a short house down in Wildwood. And we'd be like 30 of us packed into, not packed, but 30 of us in, in this house that we shared together. And uh, I never really got to experience anything else other than Philadelphia, my neighborhood, not even Philadelphia. Like, I think going into eighth grade, I was never even, I didn't even, never even sold a Liberty Bell. I was never even downtown. Downtown's 10 minutes from my house. And I just, we didn't leave our neighborhood. So wow. now going from that to, to, you know, traveling the world and meeting different co- people in different cultures and, and and getting outside the box, I you know, it, it, there's no replacing that. Like the experiences that I've had, I feel so fortunate, you know. And it's it's because again of the people who made sacrifices for me, and then you know, just uh, just some of the decision making along the way, for sure. And Ghost of M Marco, one of my lead moderators, the lead moderator, he is always in the mix. He's uh, where have you? you got your own emote on the channel on my Twitch stream, the hook emote that is for Charlie hook. So he's got a question here. Talk about a lot about family and friends who support him on his journey. Ask him what he thinks are the chances for people who may uh, have the desire, but no real support network. How difficult is it if you don't have people that believe in you and have your back and trust you and, and all that? Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely wouldn't be in a spot that I'm, you know, the spot that I am in without the support system I had. I mean, I guess, you know, for me, loyalty is more important than anything. There ain't nothing I'll ever sell out for my loyalty to all the people that, you know, I love and have helped me. And, you know, I just, I I guess I just been really fortunate. I I don't know what to say if you don't have a support system other than, you know, there's forums and stuff that you can, you know, link up with people that are probably in the same boat and you guys can, you know, kind of vent, trade ideas, strategy, whatever it takes, you know, but there's groups out there. There's, you know, and I don't know what there is today They're at 1.2 plus two, you know? So I don't know. I, I just been really fortunate with, you know, even, even early on, like one of my, uh, one of my closest friends, he's a bit older than me, you know, he, you know, growing up in the neighborhood, he like, he'd make sure I didn't get involved in any of the street stuff. And he like looked out after me, he supported my poker career. And like his name's Chucky. Uh, he, um, yeah. So like, him and like so many people along the way have just you know yeah been supportive and helped me so that's awesome and i last uh, there's one i know you love ufc you love to yeah. watch your boy eddie alvarez and and uh you're in the mix so i love this question here let's end yeah, eddie, i actually sent him this question if you could compare your style to any ufc fighter and i i think i think there's some similarities to you know eddie as a fighter to my poker career um you know eddie's Eddie's as tough as they come. I mean, Eddie's actually from where your aunt's, where your aunt's, Eddie's from, Eddie grew up in Kensington. So him and I went to the same school 
And, you know, we weren't like close, like super close friends going on. We just had really close mutual friends and we're in the same area. We had some classes together, you know, and I always respected Eddie, you know, he, he, he's, he's a savage, like the dude's, a, the dude's an absolute beast. And on top of that, like, you know, as far as a role model, there ain't nobody better out there in athletics. Like the guys are fucking a stand up pure as they come. Like, you know, just him, his relationship with his wife, his wife, Jamie, who's, who's from my area. And they've been dating since like 15 as loyal to each other as ever. They're support each other so much. And then they have a beautiful family and, you know, he's just, uh, yeah, Eddie, Eddie's a great guy. Him and I just bought a property together in Fort Lauderdale as an investment. So I'm excited about that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he's inspired me in, you know, different ways. He's been, he's, he was supportive through the whole fast too. He's, Eddie, Eddie's given me a lot of good advice over the years, you know. Um, but I, I don't know, comparing myself to him and I are a lot, are different in a lot of ways too. But I, you know, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm just saying that maybe I compare myself to his journey a little bit just because I'm, I know more about it, you know. Um, but yeah, UFCs, I love, I love MMA. I love, I don't really watch sport, but MMA, I do. I, you know, I, I, I love, all the intricacies of, of, of the sport. And uh, yeah, I, I just think it's amazing. I love, I love martial arts. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Very cool. All right. No, that's a, that's a, that's a good comparison. All right. Let's say I forgot to ask a question from my, from my dad here. Papa, you were talking about earlier and then we didn't kick off the questions. We'll take one more and I'm going to then let hook tell us when we are going to select the winner for this one Oh nine phase ticket. So the question from my dad is uh, you're from New Jersey and there's a special attitude no, uh, he's I'm from Philadelphia. I'm, oh, not, I'm sorry, you Philadelphia slash New Jersey yet? But you you've spent a lot of time in New Jersey and Wildwood. Yeah, I mean South Jersey, South Jersey's right over the bridge. It's a ten minute again. I mean, sure. uh, it's crazy because yeah. that's where we used to go. Actually, my you know my dad's family's from Philadelphia. We used to go to to uh, Cape May and and Wild every summer for like six seven years. That was where we'd spend our uh, couple weeks in the summer. So I I know the uh, the area very well. It's a great spot. And he's asking though, is there a special attitude that Jersey? slash Philly, like that region, right? The East Coast that they bring to the table or is it just the way they talk that seems different? I guess my dad's referencing, he's got some no, experience. No. My dad loves poker. He loves to play and he's played with a bunch oh, of- as far as poker types or yeah, like- Yeah, like, yeah, what did they bring to the table? I feel, like, I feel like people from the Northeast, <laughs> I don't want, I feel like out of everywhere I've played, I feel like the, the Northeast region have like the most emotional players. Like people seem to get, I don't know. I, I don't know, but- <laughs> And you get what I'm saying? Like a lot yeah. of the New Yorkers and New Jersey. They're passionate. And Italy, yeah, they're passionate. So almost like actually similar to when I was over in Italy in the San Rita. They're passionate over there too. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you, there's different styles. Like, you know, it, especially when I was going back and forth from, to California playing to commerce, it was like, you know, chips were flying. And I felt like it just, yeah, it's different. Um, but as far as personality, you know, back home, like it just – people are so loyal, man. It's, it's different. Like, you know, they're loud and, and, and there's different kind of personality traits that are, you know, you have to get used to when you're dealing with a Philadelphian or New York, New Jersey, you know, I mean, you know, but as far as like, you know, loyalty and they're, they're the greatest people, like, honestly, like, so, but, and then now living in Texas, I love Texas too. I mean, you know, there's some really amazing people that I never thought that I would, you know, care about so much or get close with, you know, just from being inner city Philadelphia to like Texas, you know, for sure. For sure. No, I think again, the, the, obviously we know the people there, there's, there's a lot of interesting and, and great people. And I think that's one of the coolest things about poker is you get to kind of develop relationships. I'd say it's, it's like polarizing, right? There's some of the best greatest people and then greatest relationships. I mean, and then there's also some stuff you see where it's like, wow, like 
that's pretty shocking and bad, but I mean, that's, uh, that's, that's what it is. And, and that's just kind of the nature of the game, but all right, let's do uh gone over two hours. We had nurse Nina come in. We will put that the show more again about the uh, Ali cardiology where you did this. Dr. Ali, he's the one that overlooked the entire thing for me. Um, yeah. So we'll look at that again. If you guys missed the first part, there's a look at the transformation over the 14 day fast, which is pretty crazy. <laughs> pretty, pretty wild. So uh, all we covered a lot. Again, Hook has some tournament results, but he is known more for high stakes cash games. We did get a lot of questions. Hopefully Hook can answer some if we didn't get to him. Uh, he'll go through. He's tagged on Twitter there. You guys can give him a yeah, follow. There's one other good one that I saw, but I, whatever. I don't know where it's at now. But uh, yeah, I don't know how much time you have left anyway. Yeah, this this is there. There were some great questions. I think we've we have gone through a fair amount. But you can see if uh, yeah, hope you see these. They tag they're at at you on all these. So if you want to you know scroll through and, and answer a few afterward yeah. as well. But let's uh, let's do this giveaway. A one hundred nine ticket. I just got to remind everyone. Still day one C of the party poker. Five mil is on Sunday. Monday is day two, and you can get in for as little as twenty-two dollar phase ticket that gets you into a forty-four into a one hundred nine, and then into the five thirty. So the five thirty you cannot buy direct. You have to win, get chips in the one hundred nine phase, and then you have a shot at a fifty mega satellite uh, for a five thirty. That's actually I did the one hundred nine into the five thirty into the main into now day two on Monday. So huge sweat. I uh, hope you guys get to get a chance to take a look at that. And in the meantime, we're going to give away this ticket right now. So hook, you tell me when, and I will choose a winner. Someone's going to get a, a one hundred nine ticket courtesy of Party Poker. You, me, everyone. Um. Yeah. I would just say go. Yep. All right, go. There it is. So we are choosing a winner. This is for a 109 phase ticket on Party Poker. That winner is finished. And I is a grind, I think is the name. I is a grind. So I don't think they've won before. They haven't. That's awesome. We'll message them. And uh, yeah, Hook, thank you so much. This was, yeah, uh, this was definitely a treat. Hopefully we'll do it uh, again. And somewhere, you know, after a big... You know, big celebration, big. Maybe big maybe this summer you can come come by the Jersey Shore. I'll take you to Philly. We we'll get some cheesesteaks and and do something together live or whatever. You know, go over more about some things that we didn't really get deep into. It'd be fun. I got. I mean, I got plenty more stories of some of the DJ sure. moments that you know about, and it, it'd be fun for sure. We will uh, we will do that, and yeah, it's, it's good to to come back full circle. I think we covered a lot, but again, I've had multiple guests. Bill, been on a few times. Love to have you back on in the future. And this was podcast number 147. We are going to... Um, Ooh, always dropping wisdom, man. You can't you can't go wrong with just having Bill around you or getting Bill's opinion or anything. It's watching this podcast. He just drops so much wisdom, man. And, no, I mean, uh, listen, I, Bill's one of the most... He is. He's just, he's just super interesting. I think it's, it's safe to say you've played a lot with him. Now you've gotten to know him very well. I mean, his sort of knowledge and understanding just how he thinks about life and time the book which i know you bought a lot of copies i did as well kind of promoting it spreading it that idea i think it's like again a great reminder of uh of how how everything in life works and it's just something i highly recommend have you given those away i know you bought a lot did you get have you used all those yet or do you still have some copies? No, I, I gave I, i've given a lot of them away i mean i still have a couple copies here um but yeah i mean the dude's done everything huh like and whatever he puts his mind to he he crushes and uh I mean, he's, he's just someone that I look up to, too. You know, he's just, you know, he's, he's, he's a great guy. So uh, sure. inspirational. He's, he's from inner city, New Jersey. I think he's uh, from, I'm not even exactly, not Newark. One of the. Uh, yeah, it's Jersey City. Jersey City. He's from Jersey City. That's right. So, like, you know, he grew up in semi-humble beginnings and, you know, just went and worked his ass off. And, you know, you know, just uh, probably went through a lot of 
hard times and, and had to jump some hurdles. And he talks about being a limo driver this and it's just inspiring to see that, you know? So, um, sure. yeah, for sure. All right. Well, listen, Hook's got his emote on the channel. I'm going to be live on Monday, probably the next few days as well. Going to be on the party poker channel right now for the community knockout event. So I'm going to be doing some commentary, but hook, thank you very much. Appreciate the time. Definitely learned a lot. The fast was super interesting. Had a small, I had a little, uh, I was betting on you as well. And uh, yeah, man, I, I, I know uh, that was very, very big accomplishment. Yeah, that helped too. Like you having money on it and other friends that bet on me, you know, I, I couldn't, I couldn't fail. Right. Like I just, it, it's more pressure and, and I f- feel it's way easier to be accountable when you some other, someone else is relying on your results and something, you know, which is weird. I wish I could channel that more into everyday things that there's no outside influence. But yeah, I mean, whenever I don't feel a certain way or, you know, I don't feel motivated or I don't feel that dry, I just throw some David Goggins on. He'll get he'll get you going. For sure. For sure. All right. Well, I'm going to end this. And again, I'll be live soon, guys. Thank you so much. That was podcast number 147. Charlie Hook, mm-hmm. not to be confused with Charlie. Charlie, Charles Hook in the building. Check him out. Give him a follow on Twitter and he will try to answer your questions. And then Hook, I'm sure we'll catch up very soon. Yeah. One last thing. So Dr. Nadir Ali is going to put together a report with all the metrics from my sleep, body composition, blood work, EKG, everything. And then I'm going to add some of the things that went through my mind, Dale, and he's going to put together a report and I think it's getting published in a medical journal. But once it is, once it's done, I'll, you know, I'll send it to you so you can send it out. And then if anyone has any questions, they can always just, you know, ask me through Instagram inbox or, uh, you know, tweet at me or whatever. And I'll, I'll try and get back to them and answer any questions about poker or, uh, or, or the fast. For sure. All right. Well, again, yeah, thanks, man. This was great. Congratulations. Uh, this has been quite a quite a ride and, and amazing to see everything going so well. And and uh, you you are definitely, again, just like a testament to uh, hard work, success and, and pushing through. So uh, very, very cool. And I'm glad we got to do the podcast and hopefully uh, we get to catch up again very, very soon and in person. So, yeah, cheers. sounds good, bro. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Awesome. All right, guys, that was Charles Hook, and I will see you on very soon online on Twitch for the Party Poker TV channel. Cheers. Hi, I'm Derek Stevens, owner and chief executive officer of Circus Sports, home of the world's largest sports book, and now the largest football contest guarantee in history. We've got $10 million on the line between our two contests. Circa Millions has $4 million in guarantees, including a million in quarterly payouts. The Circus Survivor has a $6 million guarantee. The one thing at Circus Sports, 100% payback, no rake. You enter in Vegas, play from anywhere. Visit CircusSports.com for more info. Must be 21 or older and in Nevada to legally enter. Circus Sports encourages responsible gaming. All rights reserved. Thanks for listening to this episode. It was brought to you in partnership with Party Poker. Go to PartyPoker.com to play tournaments, cash games, and improve your poker game. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast to hear all of my future episodes.